with y'all, but upon further inspection of the NDA that we might have agreed to, let's instead bring up a completely different Ubisoft beta, uh, this being a bit of a follow-up to our E3 special with Rocksmith mm -hmm. Plus, mm -hmm. uh, for which I have many thoughts on, both good and bad. So here's the problem with discussing Rocksmith <laughs> Plus. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts and my thoughts, I feel like, are the same. Yeah. So <laughs> just know that I might, I, I also have these, just for the listener's sake, I also have these thoughts, but I'm probably just going to be going, yep, yep. Well, it goes, it goes without saying also that um, I am a drummer primarily, and you are a guitar player. Yep. Yes. My Im first impressions anyway, uh, as, so as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, this is a sequel of sorts to Rocksmith and Rocksmith 2014 two guitar and bass teaching tools that I absolutely loved and found many improvements with my, my playing ability, personally, and using them. Uh, this new one, due out in, I believe... October? October, September? Yeah, I, you might be right. So the biggest thing about it is that it's, it's, uh, is it's pairing with a smartphone companion app as, like it's, as, it, as well as its function as a now uh, live service. A change that makes technical sense in terms of the gear like needed for it you know lower bar of entry yeah but uh something i'm still not happy to hear nonetheless especially since it'll likely eliminate the compatibility with any of the custom content that kept it alive uh, for me <laughs> all these years um but no all right so first off <laughs> i didn't realize this during the ubi connect presentation that uh that it does support um audio interfaces that is rad that's why i wanted to, i want to start with the positives and the phone stuff does work better than i thought it would as for the the negatives i mean upon boot up there's already some really baffling decisions they ask you what some of your favorite music genres are mm -hmm. right and uh and i'd say a pretty small subset of what's featured is even analogous to the fucking guitar yeah <laughs> so like rock makes sense metal sure jazz all right but then there's like classical hip-hop pop and electronic no punk or alternative or new wave or indie no surf but <laughs> you click on the ones that apply to you and then they randomize like a hopper of artists uh that you select that you'd like vibe with <laughs> it doesn't really seem like it takes your preferred like preferences in, in, in like into consideration I really think it, i think it <laughs> like, i think the it's, genres that you pick i think it's designed to do so but I don't think they have There's enough, enough variety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yet. you might be right. So then when you get past uh, that, the categories of how the tracks are listed is very confusing. There, there's literally a what's trending locally category, a thing that nobody ever mm. on this earth has once considered while attempting to pick up an instrument. Yep. Like, no, yep. gee, I wonder what my fucking neighbors are jamming yeah. on. I should look into that before <laughs> Like, no. Yeah, regionally, that's something that yeah. always applies. When like, I, what's my neighbor listening yeah, to? Yeah, when I go out to get the mail and Bob's water in his lawn, we can talk about Megadeth. <laughs> the thing about music is that you want to play what you want to play. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Um, I guarantee a talentless suit thought of putting that in there and not a creative or musician of any kind. But, um, and by the way, as you met, like, <laughs> you brought up Boston. This, in my opinion, I think the, the song selection it, it currently is very poor. 
Um, well, there's not a lot of variety. Maybe not very poor, but it's yeah, it, it's pretty poor. Okay. There's not a lot of variety, but also Rocksmith fell into kind of a trap. I thought they would at least put all of the old like DLC and on disc stuff for one and two. Yeah, because like Rocksmith fell into the same kind of trap that Guitar Hero fell into. When you're making a track list for a music game like that, yeah, you start easy and then you go to the hard stuff, right? You don't just load your game up with Through the Fire and Flames over and over <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Right? But eventually, the people who stick around are the people who want that challenge of Through the Fire and Flames. Sh- sure. So then all your DLC you has to be hard. But Rocksmith is a fucking teaching tool. Yeah. And, like, all they have is, like, indie folk acoustic guitar songs and metal yeah and so like if you're if you're i said this to randy when we played it if you're making a teaching tool for the guitar the ramones or the clash have to be in yeah there. old weezer sense. or something like yeah. yeah because you have to get learn some chords power chords you need something with power chords they're easy they're fun yeah, yeah. exactly it's like the basis they're like like yeah. regardless of your taste mm-hmm and, and and obviously, like, any rhythm game lives or dies by its library. Right. I mean, that's a fact. Like, I, I mean, I get it. You can't please everyone. But in this case, like you said, you, you definitely need more reasonable choices to cover more difficulties, which, <laughs> like, like uh, and those, for those lower tiers considerably, maybe make it so that you can read the entire track name and artist and the fucking UI so that it doesn't just get cut off. Make it like so that you can view a list of all the songs in the game. Yeah, that too. And and organize it by difficulty in the way you could in the other ones. Mm-hmm. They're trying it's, to trick you into it, trying new stuff. Maybe. I mean, it's it's tough to know everything if I exclusively that album art. But like you before, it, when you scrolled through, it was similar to like a rock band or guitar here where it would play a sample. Or, and like those previews are gone. Like you have to like the screen has to go over to the next like, you know, like I don't know. Um in order to do that, but uh, just going in and out of those menus. Um, but it's, you know, still, uh, the in-game, it, 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 it's, it's great. It's still Rocksmith, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's like... as it works as, well. Yeah. And uh, assuming your cable doesn't give out like mine did, they'll have to make um, uh, sure that more of those get produced. <laughs> Cause, no, uh, you just use your phone. Connecting with the phone was, like, cumbersome, man. Like, it, it's like... It is like the microphone is forgiving, but like those lower tones can be rougher at the register. Yeah. And if you're, you know, more of a bass guy like me, that's going to become a problem. Mm-hmm. But like, and, and same with balancing the, the volume if you want to play loud. Oh, and, and the fucking, the, I don't know if you uh, share my experience with it also, but the, the tuner is straight up busted. So you're like, you better have a snark nearby, I guess. I don't... The tuner is better than it was in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my through the cable, through the oh, through the phone. I'm talking about the phone. I didn't try the phone. Yeah, yeah, no. I did. <laughs> I well, have okay. you ever used like a tuner app on a phone? Yeah, yeah. Was I'd, it shitty? I've used. Uh, I've also <laughs> used one on a like a computer using like a desktop mic. Oh, how did that go? It was good enough, you know. All right. All right. Yeah, they they work not well, but they work. They'll get you relatively in the right tuning. I mean, also don't close out of the the app either because you can't run it in the background. <laughs> So it's you can't. You also can't be crashes. in Discord and play it. Yeah. Oh well, I found that. That's because of the cable, though, the hardware, not yeah. the the software. But I could not, for the life of me, figure out how to stream that game when I was playing the beta. Because I, well, maybe I didn't say that, but like I, I, other people wanted to take a look at it privately in our own server, and um, <laughs> and it was like 
it confused the fuck out of my PC that it was like, because the, the cable does read as a microphone. Mm-hmm. So if you're wearing a headset with a microphone, you know, it also Windows don't know what oh, to do. <laughs> yeah. It also lowers your microphone volume. Oh, yeah. Because, I can, because of microphone volume in Windows, if the cable as a microphone in Windows was cranked up to 100%, it wouldn't be able to read the tone because guitar gets pretty distorted mm-hmm. at 100% volume. Yeah. And then, But then when you switch to another mic, Windows doesn't know what it's doing. So then you <laughs> just come into Discord and you're like, guys, <laughs> I'm here. And everybody goes, what? I can't hear you. Yeah. And, then Randy, and then you fix it. And, and then Randy, everyone cur- goes and then Randy <laughs> curses a bunch and goes, Fuck, fucking Rocksmith. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing works right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does sound like me. But the you know, I will say the inclusion of acoustics is neat. Uh, you might hear every mistake, but it is cool to have. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it it could still be promising. I know it's it is a a work in progress, but um, just fix the song sorting. And if you can't like bring back the guitarcade, then at least don't take away the multiplayer. That was probably the most disappointing thing for me. But don't take away other the than tone that, designer. I, yeah. Yeah, that too. I hope the pricing is reasonable. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but those are our impressions so far. Uh, my Rocksmith minute. Uh, well, that was more like, I don't know, three, five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, THQ. <laughs> three little letters by themselves that once meant a lot in video games when paired together. Uh, whether it was their association to original works or licensed shovelware, uh, landmark debuts on brand new hardware or stripped down handheld versions of popular console titles, novel sequels to older IPs whose rights holders went kablooey or dumb ideas that made them go kablooey themselves. Uh, Many enthusiasts always still knew the name of the American publisher that for a time was hanging with the best of them. Um, And there's a damn good reason for that. Their output of software during the uh, 90s and 2000s may have been prolific, but often sandwiched between all these releases, you would actually find something really exciting and fresh, like, pretty great. Um, Because it wasn't all SpongeBob and Bratz. Red Faction, Saints Row, Company of Heroes, Darksiders, Metro, Destroy All Humans, Stalker, DeBlob, plucky franchises born from an era where risk-taking from larger studios was much more prevalent. Um, But I know what you're already thinking. Why would we be bringing them up? Something had to have gone wrong, right? Uh, Well, you'd be correct, um, as they went Full belly up back in 2013. Uh, so how did this happen? Who the fuck is THQ Nordic then? Uh, where's our remaster of 50 Cent Blood on the Sand? Um, welcome back to another episode of Hot Button, where we perform an autopsy on a now dead company to find out what exactly killed it. I'm Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley. And Sean Chambers. What's up? <laughs> as well as Fuse for the first time ever joining us in the studio. How's everybody yeah, doing? Yeah, <laughs> if you hear dog noises, there's a dog in here. <laughs> I know he's doing well. He's, he was passed out on the couch next to you for a while, Austin. and He just moved to the floor. Yeah. Now he's passed out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was laying low during the, the Rocksmith uh, the Rocksmith talk because uh, I don't have a lot of hands-on experience, but... I probably should have brought up something a little more... Uh, yeah, I was like, akin yeah. to <laughs> I like... But listen, listen. I like music. Uh, yeah. I like... You have been known music. to play the guitar and the drums, I, yes, sir. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, so our uh, our story of THQ's history uh, begins with a man no longer with us named Jack Friedman, a veteran of entrepreneurship, primarily in the business of toys and video. Uh, he was also a, a, a total philanthropist, founding three separate major distributors of products in just one career lifetime. Uh, the first being New York-based LJN Toys in 1970, who specialized 
mostly in um, lines of kids' playthings uh, that were licensed from like popular movies and television shows of the time. Uh, E.T., Magnum P.I., Indiana Jones, Gremlins, Back to the Future, even Dungeons and Dragons. Um, until shifting over to video games in the late 80s following the returning boom post the crash from years prior. I love how much the fucking crash comes up on this. Like, it's important. <laughs> show, yeah. One of these days we're going to actually tackle that like a whole thing. So he already had connections to those outside departments who negotiated the use of film properties for, you know, manufacturing toys. Um, why not do the same for the NES? And uh, and that he did. The Karate Kid, Jaws, Friday the 13th, um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future again. Now, one could absolutely make the argument that quality was not their biggest concern here, but the Switch certainly proved commercially successful regardless, showing him and LJN that toys were out and gaming was in. The it, Switch? Here to stay. <laughs> no, not yet. Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I have yeah, one it of started those. in the 80s. The controller stopped working. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so like, what? It, what did this entail for them? Sell to acclaim, of course. Previous hot button topic plug, by the way. Uh, as I do feel like everything we're about to talk uh, about here does serve as a bit of spiritual successor to that one, especially with that uh, that crossover and how they were kind of in direct competition to each other for a while. <laughs> but yeah, they were eventually dissolved in '95, which brings us to the subject at hand. As Friedman knew what he wanted to, uh, like, wanted his focus to be now. Um, thus, we're going to pull back about five years to the birth of THQ proper. Um, I mean, uh, Acclaim was at the wheel for LJN. What's the worst that could happen there, right? <laughs> it was the publisher of Tetris World's moment to shine. Um, so by the end of April 1990, THQ was officially launched out of uh, Calabasas, California. The acronym standing for uh, Toy Headquarters. Um, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I, I actually did not know. Um, uh, what's funny is that they, they did actually continue to make some toys for their early days, despite games still bringing their, like, you know, like their main devotion. Um, but in order to grow, they were going to need more divisions. Uh, in September of that year, they acquired a piece of uh, Broderbund, which was another group operating oh, hell in yeah. California. Uh, wait, who... They were most... Uh, okay, they made, so, like, they made, like, those Staples games, you know, when you go to Staples... Okay, and they yeah. they have, like, the rack of $5 PC games, like chess and shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that so was broder They were well moved for a couple uh, fairly significant successes in the digital space on this list. It's it, 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 like they, So, I don't know what Choplifter was, but I know Loadrunner, and also the OG Prince of Persia, I think, was them. Uh, yeah. So, by this point, they seemed like they were doing all right. I, oh, okay, no. Later, they would be the folks behind Mist and the Carmen Sandiego series. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, those are staple games, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The exact opposite of what they got. These, along with their work, <laughs> these, along with their work on various educational software, such as Mavis Beacon teaches typing. That's uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah, Mavis Beacon. Yep, my girl. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows the name. Yep. Uh, Still don't know how to type, but, but damn, they, that game was fun. This was look. I mean, it wasn't as good as typing in the dead. No, nothing it was better. <laughs> nothing is. It was better than uh, Mario teaches typing. You ever play that? No, never had the pleasure. <laughs> um, but it, this was looking to be quite the get for him. Okay, now I'm gonna need uh, some help with this next part. In 1991, a newly formed public shell corporation called Trinity Acquisition agreed to merge with THQ in a reverse merger takeover. Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly, this is when a public company buys a private company so that the private company can, quote, bypass the lengthy and complex process of going public 
Mm-hmm. Sounds like good business to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so you have to IPO when uh, initial public offering. Oh. So when you get listed on the stock exchange, you have to basically publish a whole bunch of what people would like to be private details about their business in a very lengthy packet. Okay. And then you have to get experts to evaluate your company and tell and then determine the share price and give you an amount of initial shares. Yeah, because this says through like an asset exchange or share issue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so that's... so if you're a private company and there's a public company mm-hmm. who's not doing so hot, uh, and you want to get on the stock exchange, a quick way to do it is oh. to acquire the public company. You take over their spot on the stock exchange. Okay. And their stock price, et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. And then you don't have to do an IPO. Exactly okay. why business, like <laughs> a business degree never interests me. No, that was all like a different language, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I knew some of those words. And yeah. it wouldn't be me if I didn't say the stock market is a scam. <laughs> yeah, that I already it's know. It's a giant pyramid One of these scheme. days we're going to talk about that GameStop squeeze. Yeah, the tra- it says the transaction typically requires reorganization of capitalization of the acquiring company. So yeah, you're right. See, I, I am not the most business savvy, but uh, this may just be entirely normal, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like the de- the deal uh, then was a stock swap valued at about thirty three million. Capitalism going to capitalism. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Their shareholders owning fifty one point seven percent of the new entity. Uh, then THQ's name was retained, and Friedman became president. Uh, anyway, back to it. Let's talk video games. Right. Um, see, when that all went down. They had only put out two titles under their banner so far. Uh, one in January for the Nintendo Entertainment System called Fox's Peter Pan and Pirates, The Revenge of Captain Hook. Uh, geez, a little long there for a title. But yeah, th- this was based off the live-action Hook movie, the Robin Williams one. Okay. Um, not to be confused with Disney's animated film from the 50s. Oh, Fox's. Y- yeah. Yeah. Fox's. yeah. <laughs> like, the, like the multimedia conglomerate. Yeah. Yes. That was in the title, like officially. I thought you were talking about the Robin Hood Disney movie with the fox as Robin Hood. Oh no, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I got confused. <laughs> it was very confusing. Yeah, that's that's like uh, when anytime that there's a Star Wars video game, it's just like, like do you remember the Dark Forces and Rogue Squadron? Like how fucking confusing that got. It was mm-hmm. like LucasArts Star Wars Rogue Squadron Two Rogue Leader. Like it was just <laughs> a like Jedi Knight. You know, like yeah, Star Wars. LucasArts, Star Wars, Jedi Knight, Dark two, Forces, Dark Forces, Four, Jedi Knight, Outcast, Two, Jedi, Jedi. Outcast. <laughs> yeah. If you get enough words on the front of the box, you don't have to worry about box art. So <laughs> they were thinking. Yeah, it's like that Arkham City box art. <laughs> oh my god, that Arkham City. box Think of it as amazing. like the opening credits to like a Star Wars movie. All you get <laughs> is the words. Title crawl. On the <laughs> box. Title crawl, but it's all title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, pretty good. Um, so I I did um. Like I looked up gameplay of this and it seemed it seemed bad. Um, it's it's a side scroller, you know, kind of crude, even for ninety one. Like Fox's this, very own creating something bad. <laughs> oh, no. it, and this was uh, the SNES was out, or no? I guess it wasn't in the United States yet. It was just over the horizon. But um, you know, hey, we all got to start somewhere. Uh, the second you, you tell me, Japan didn't get Fox's Peter Pan and <laughs> Robin Williams, or whatever you said, Revenge of Revenge, Revenge. of the Robin Williams. Yeah, <laughs> I'd play that. Uh, well, I, I don't know if Japan got this one, but the, they, they are at least um, uh, more uh, baseball fans uh, because th- this is uh, Bo Jackson, two games in one. This is for the Game Boy. Uh, that hit in June. Was it football and baseball? I only saw uh, footage of the 
of the baseball. So I don't, I don't know if there's football. I in did there. a report on Bo Jackson in elementary school. Did he Bo- was the only. He was like the only professional athlete to ever succeed in two leagues. He was in the NFL oh, no and shit. the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That would make sense then. Yeah. <laughs> this game did look better. Um, mm-hmm. albeit still like tough to go return to, considering it's the freaking Game Boy. And those performed fine. Uh, however, by the fall, they had their uh, first, well, um, like notable lineup of profitable releases. They were. Where's Waldo for the NES? Cool. Still trying to find that guy. <laughs> Keeps disappearing. Dude. Yeah. I just don't know where he, he doesn't, doesn't want to be around. He's a criminal. Uh, Home Alone for the Super NES and Game Boy. Uh, the Flash for Game Boy. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes for both the NES and the Game Boy. Hell yeah. Um, but uh, you'll appreciate this, Austin. A port of Wayne Gretzky Hockey. Uh, the game that was said to have put Bethesda on the map. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think there might be a copy of that in this house somewhere, isn't there? Wayne Gretzky hockey. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would be surprised well, if Wayne there Gretzky, wasn't. Uh, yeah. Wayne Gretzky hockey is weird. It was yeah. It was an arcade. Uh... Well, there's like eight Wayne Gretzky hockeys. Oh, okay. Because it was I think like we have the SNES one. Like Bethesda at first, and then THQ, and then Acclaim got a hold of it, and then <laughs> Sony had it. Sony had it. Yeah, the PSP Dang. one is called Gretzky 2005 or whatever. Man, he was the hockey player to get for a long time. I mean, he is the best hockey player, one of the best That's hockey fair. players I of just, all time. I have to make this joke. You miss 100% of the games you don't make. <laughs> I just, I had to say it. It just reminds me, anytime the EA has to show off FIFA, they always get Pele. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so not particularly the greatest portfolio yet, though uh, it kept them trucking along. Uh, like, their uh, their calendar was padded. There was no question about that. Um it's just that a lot of it was cheap trash. Uh, in 92, there was a Swamp Thing uh, game, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle stuff, more Waldo, Home Alone 2. Uh, the and, licensing fiesta. Yeah, and James Bond Jr., which uh, I think I bought a copy of that for Matt as a, as a LARF one, like one Christmas. But, uh, Do you remember anything about that? James Bond Jr., that sounds so it, it, strange. It's, I know, it does. It's The title's more interesting than I, I believe the game was. But, Is it uh, anything like uh, the Ace Ventura movie when he had a kid? Or they... <laughs> I have an idea for James Bond Jr. So you know how that dude's yeah. always boning people? Oh, yeah. He's got to have a lot of kids. Finally called yeah, up yeah. So it's like... It's just cheaper them. by the dozen. It's, like, James it's Bond. like Wonderful 101, but with but a James Bond game. So it's like Goldeneye, <laughs> but there's a hundred there's of them. Little Bonds running yeah. around. All the kids he does it's like Mario. Yeah. It's yeah. like Mario 128, but with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really obscure joke. <laughs> uh, so March of 1993, they acquired their first in-house developer, uh, Black Pearl Software from Chicago. Uh, the people behind nothing Depp? we've played, so I'm not even going to bother. Sorry, Black Pearl, you got to do better than the, the mass game. Um, so throughout the rest of the year, there I was... tried to make a... Uh, Johnny Depp joke because Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh, that you ran over it, so I would like it acknowledged, <laughs> please, before we move on. Okay, I'll give. It, you want me to wait another like two or three? Where's seconds? all the rum gone? Uh, That's another yeah, Johnny yeah, Depp yeah, joke. I remember, remember that? that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so then there was uh, Wayne's World for the SNES, Rocky, some Rocky and Stimpy games, Thomas the Tank Engine games, Rocky and Stimpy, that Roger, sorry, <laughs> Red and Stimpy. Did you imagine that crossover? <laughs> yeah, Ren and Bullwinkle is my favorite cartoon. <laughs> Uh, the Lawnmower Man. Yeah. I heard that game's awful. Yeah, we should try it. Uh, also, by here they did branch out into the Genesis uh, carts as well. Hell yeah, because um, better were doing of the two. What <laughs> Nintendo <laughs> wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that commercial. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, by 94, though, we do have some notable changes to report. Uh, they finally got permissions to partner up with Disney on a couple titles, and it was announced that THQ would be dropping any remaining production on toy products to work exclusively on video games. Did you ever see what toys they actually made? Oh, no. I saw. I, yeah. I, I, like, briefly looked over. It was one really startling, uh, scarily created um, Macaulay Culkin. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> or, uh... <laughs> Freaking uh, Kevin, Kevin McAllister. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really it's almost like he they Macaulay tried to Culkin. mix him with uh, Freddy Krueger. It's like you know he kind of melted like Freddy. Was it like just an action figure? It was like a little toy. Yeah, it was okay. like uh, that's the only thing I saw. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. Oh, that's got to be in the thumbnail now. Right? I found it. <laughs> it's like if if oh that's hard. Oh like, man, they made a vanilla ice action figure. <laughs> collector's item. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. They also have a I don't line. Know why of, I thought that was so amusing. They have a line of Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates action figures. Well, there as you well. go. Yeah, that that's called synergy. Vertical <laughs> integration. <laughs> also, because of them not making uh, Macaulay Culkin action figures no more, uh, and, and Vanilla Ice or whatever, the the dot between the T and the H on their logo would be removed. Uh, apparently, that was there before. Um, mm. if, Headquarters. If you, one word. Two. One. It's one, so I don't. They're they're stretching. I think a little bit of. <laughs> um, All right, how much is a vanilla ice doll? <laughs> Continue talking. Right. I'm gonna buy one for the studio. <laughs> but uh, none of this, by the way, is like nearly as big as the news the following year uh, that would hit then when founder Jack Friedman would reveal that he was leaving the company to start up yet another toy manufacturer. Just got bored. Uh, yeah, Jack Specific with two Ks, uh, no C. Um, oh, that's where I come from? Yeah, so out of games and back into where it all began for him. Uh, running a play centered around, you know, uh, like plushies, costumes, and again, action figures. Uh, they, too, were a licensee for many uh, huge-scale holders. Uh, Disney, Star Wars, which is now Disney, Nintendo, which is not Disney uh, yet, thankfully. Um, like the that, Disney <laughs> of video games. Yeah, no, they, they, they definitely are. Um, oh, my God, it's $20? <laughs> Better hop on that. God damn it. Uh, so this was where, uh, also where he remained until his retirement in March of 2010, and then uh, his, his death in May of 2010. Um, damn. Yeah. I, I um, quick. But uh, yeah, like short. Should have kept working. Maybe he would have stayed alive. <laughs> <laughs> he's died from boredom? Is that yeah, what it's yeah, just, like? Yeah, just like a hummingbird. I don't he's... have anybody to yell at. <laughs> I feel like my mom probably worked with Jack Specific back when. I, uh, I'll have to ask her. They made uh, wrestling action figures. Did your mom ever model those? Uh, yes, actually. Then yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so re returning to THQ, though, uh, they had a new CEO, Brian Farrell, who uh, incorpor cool name. Yeah, <laughs> he incorporated the publisher as a Delaware corporation. Yeah, um, everybody does. Uh, oh, no with tax, yeah. Tax avoidance. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> capitalism. <makes> <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, the games were continuing to get produced and make it onto shelves at a, a very uh, you know quick rate throughout the 90s, uh, you know, consistently. Um, not uncommon for their mission or out of the ordinary for groups like them during this generation, you know, acclaim. There were a couple highlights here, uh, uh, though, like um, there was a Ghost in the Shell for the PlayStation. Mm. Uh, if anyone... I played that. Yeah, it yeah. was interesting. And uh, Quest 64, oh. a wholly original IP. Um but the most noteworthy in terms Hold of on. financial success. Before you move on, shout out Quest 64. 
I've played <laughs> too hours. much of that game. It had to be triple digit hours of that game, <laughs> really? and I never beat the first level. What were you really? doing in it the whole time? I don't know. <laughs> Do you still have it? No. Well, you want to try and beat it? <laughs> yes. Let's get a copy. How much is a copy of Quest 64? I don't know. I mean, right now, it's, it can be tough to tell. I'll buy it with my Vanilla Ice doll. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's go that's great what the, That's what this episode's going to be. You're messing up the recommended from what people frequently bought together. You're going to blow everybody's mind that's looking for either of those items. <laughs> Yeah, what's the bought together <laughs> vanilla ice doll and Qu everyone's Am the Amazon algorithm is gonna fucking break. Um, so their their biggest financial success and childhood uh, and as well as a you know childhood nostalgia for many was their partnership with the uh, aforementioned the um, the WCW wrestling organization, um, releasing several sleepover smashes for the N sixty four and PS one. Prior to this, it was actually <laughs> former subject to claim. I know they keep coming up. Who who handled the dispense of those? Um, and these sold extremely well, uh, enough that it was time for a second acquisition, one of many that we'll get deeper into uh, today. But um, so who did they buy here on the precipice of the new millennia? GameFX from Massachusetts, uh, who I'm not going to lie, I had difficulty researching information on. From what I could tell, they were a subsidiary whose uh, mission was to like purely support work as I didn't find any development credits prior to their shuttering in 2002. Um, Another short-lived. <laughs> At least with Genetic Anomalies, uh, their next purchase in 99 from the same state, they had a digital card game called Cron X under their belt. Oh, okay. Um, there was also, get a load of this name, Pacific Coast Power and Light, also uh, known as, uh, well, earlier known as DT Productions, later known as Locomotive Games, now known as Closed. Uh, they, they, were, they operated um, under... Uh, or, or sorry, they were operated under EA Sports founder Don Traeger and Atari's Dennis Harper. Not, not um, to derail you. What was the name of that that company? <laughs> Pacific Coast Power and Light. Okay, I, that sounds like a '70s band. <laughs> it does. It's like ELO. That is a great fucking name for a company that has nothing to do with power <laughs> and light. <laughs> also, anybody out there wondering? I found a complete in box copy of Quest 64 with the strategy prima official strategy guide mm. for $175. And buy now. <laughs> it is the same price as a complete in box with strategy guide copy of Goldeneye. Ooh, wow, really? Mm -hmm. Two highly sought after titles apparently. <laughs> Don't you dare compare Quest or just one got I mean there's probably there's probably plenty of copies of Goldeneye out there. I don't know if I could say the same about Quest 64. Um so works of a uh, Pacific Coast Power and Light uh, included Nuclear Strike, Road Rash 64. Whoa, no way. Nuclear Strike? Mm hmm A helicopter game? Oh, ro you say Road Rash? Yeah, Road Rash uh, 64 specifically, which wasn't uh, that great of a Road Rash, honestly. Um, Jet Moto 3 and uh, a few motocross stuff like MX Superfly. So not bad. Big Jet, Jet Moto. Jet Moto is cool. <laughs> I only ever played three. Oh, really? Yeah, I never played two I think there's one. like four of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, we have uh, Iron Heavy Studios was, uh, was formed, um, who would handle a portion of the kitty titles till getting to assist on way bigger and more interesting things once they, uh, <laughs> I guess, prove themselves. I don't know. Might work. But if we go further, we're about overdue for a controversy, don't you think? This was just a quickie. Uh, in February of 2000, it appeared that a class action was on their hands over a, quote, federal security laws violation due to nondisclosure of material information. Translation, 
Well, it looked like anyone who purchased their common stock between October 26, 1999 and February 10th, later extended to May 24th, may have been entitled to some compensation upon the allegations coming out against THQ's board of directors and officials who supposedly misclaimed company growth as a way to drive up share price in an effort to sell their own shares in order to use the stock for even more upcoming acquisitions. Is that, is that fraud? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Good business practices. The question okay. is whether or not they were prosecuted for the fraud. Yeah, so... And the answer is... No, because it's the United States of America. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're jumping the gun a little bit here, but uh, so they're they're written evidence being uh, that one of the studio representatives directed the finance department to prepare a false earnings forecast by projecting the quarter's profit to be 20 percent higher than it really was. Uh, then the truth was not properly disclosed during the loss period. After the money being pulled in was substantially lower. You know, who cares? I'm sure this sort of boring crap happens con- <laughs> like constantly within industries like this. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but otherwise uh, we'll be here forever because those documents are dense. Uh, the short version is that the uh, is that advantage was taken. Uh, Five hundred and twenty two thousand two hundred and twelve shares were sold from eight employees, totaling uh, at fourteen million seven hundred and thirty seven thousand three hundred and fifty one dollars. There, there was a trial that June, and things were settled for an undisclosed amount. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Good but, thing insider trading isn't a felony. <laughs> <laughs> but none of this slowed them down in the slightest. Uh, uh, and this would also wouldn't be their only instance in, like, you know, potentially go to the court. But um, they had, uh, they had uh, Game Boy Color ports of Croc and Madden coming out, or, or Star Trek Conquest Online. They had to get to it. But the desire to expand and to pursue more internal projects carried on with my personal favorite group of the litter. Also the most uh, valuable partner of them all. Volition. Mm. Uh, <laughs> an Illinois studio born as Parallax Software in 93 by duo team Mike Kulas and Matt Toshlog of Descent fame. Personal friends of yours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Good old Toshlog. <laughs> <laughs> Although Toshlog would bounce out to open Outrage Entertainment prior to the renaming and acquisition. Um, apart from that, though, this proved to be a smart fucking investment as the best-selling console ever the PlayStation 2 was prepping for its drop in the West and needed some killer apps to go along with it. What are we talking? Chicken wings? Loaded <laughs> fries? What do you get with your PS2 purchase? Well, here's here's what killer apps we got. <laughs> you get some mozzarella sticks and jalapeno poppers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So foreseeing this importance, THQ greatly assisted Volition in getting out Summoner in times for the system's day one release, along with another new IP six months later. A game so near and dear to my heart. You see how he's being all coy? We know what it is. Yeah. Just say it. Red Faction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Red Faction. That's how they yell in the game. Uh, I have no doubt brought up a non-engage version of this uh, uh, game before on the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, it slaps. Uh, each project would uh, also be their largest budget yet. Uh, not just in terms of development, but promotion and uh, marketing. Because uh, Summoner did well, especially for a launch title, and those uh, searching for an RPG on next-gen hardware. Though Red Faction, I take much pleasure in saying that Red Faction did gangbusters for them. Uh, it quickly became their highest-rated and fastest-selling product to date. The sci-fi FPS full of its patented Geomod destruction even landed itself in the premier wave of the PS2's Greatest Hits collection of, uh, of reissues. But we're not here to listen to me wax poetic on 2001's Top Shooter. Let's get into a couple of the uh, latest members of the THQ family. 
You hear what he said? <laughs> He's trying to slip the ship by us. You gotta you gotta keep on your toes. <laughs> he just said two thousand one's best shooter. Oh. Red faction. Uh oh no. Maybe maybe in your eyes. <laughs> Don't worry. There's gonna be uh, plenty of more titles to come up that, I, that I'm sure you'll you'll all have a lot to say. So this next, um, I guess it's their Helix Games again from Massachusetts. They were uh, assigned most of the Game Boy Advance and later DS stuff through Nintendo. Uh, and then there was also Cedar Ridge Construction. <laughs> Another great '70s sure? band name. Really Are you sure TNQ didn't accidentally just invest in infrastructure? <laughs> Yeah, like property, like you know, like power and light and construction. <laughs> Got to diversify your portfolio, man. Well, it's it's funny you say that because I could not locate shit on these guys with it's my sleuthing. Construction company. No gameography <laughs> is uh, the so like I'm going to assume support studio, you know. But here's here's one with some history. Uh, Rainbow Studios. They began in '86, rebranded in '92. Racing Games was their forte, and then Cranky Pants slash Sandblast Games. Who's listed as assisting with what a name port work, Frankie Pants, <laughs> Frankie Pants, Sam Black. <laughs> <laughs> no slash, uh, but um, so this is this is kind of interesting. Uh, THQ went back and and also snatched uh, Outrage Games as well. Um, the remaining half of the Descent team who didn't spin off into Volition. Uh, oh, and this is when their Australian division was formed too. Um, going deeper into the early aughts, though, I'm going to rattle off some more published works from THQ that I cherry picked. <laughs> Uh, that'll take us to the next, uh, you know, uh, major bullet point. And like uh, the license stuff was still abundant, but here's the ones I felt stuck out. So if you guys have anything you want to add about these, uh, you had Dark Summit. It was like an all right snowboarding game, mm-hmm. but not SSX. So you know, uh, I, I brought this up earlier, but Tetris Worlds. Uh, the thing everyone stated uh, destroyed the fundamentals of Tetris until many of its changes became standard, and now people love them. Was um, that before Tetrisphere? This was after Tetrisphere. Oh. Tetrisphere was so 64. They, nobody was commenting on that. <laughs> Tetrisphere. This is the first time somebody has said Tetrisphere out loud. And <laughs> you say it three times in the mirror, Alex Pajitna. <laughs> Alexi Pajitna. <laughs> Alexi Pajitna comes into your bathroom and snaps your neck. <laughs> you at least die to that cool music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then there's uh, Sonic Advance. Back when those were, were still good. Mm-hmm. Um, Advance game? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, the MotoGP 1 and 2 for the Xbox uh, really impressive motorcycle racing sims at the time a follow up to Summoner on the GameCube that 2 scored well and Red Faction 2 a suck ass piece of garbage sequel to a masterpiece I played it it's exactly it like the first one it fucking blows oh it's terrible uh, plus it's weird how the one that came out before Halo is great and the one that came out after Halo sucks it's almost like <laughs> Halo changed people's perceptions of what a shooter could be Red Faction 1 still holds up does it? There was also, uh, what do we got? Big Mother Truckers. <laughs> Personal <laughs> favorite. Yeah. Alter Echo. Okay. Um, Weird game. Yeah. Then uh, their first outing into the Warhammer 40K uh, stuff. Uh, some Hot Wheels. <laughs> that uh, SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom game that people Apparently, and speedrunners yeah. like yeah. cared so deeply about that they somehow willed a remake into existence 17 years yeah, later. Yeah, that definitely surprised me. <laughs> I didn't get it then. I still don't get it. Um, yeah, same. Uh, so the same. Similar with the. There's a Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. I never touched that one. Uh, another MX entry as well, well as more handheld uh, Sonic with Sega. 
Uh, but yeah, like these were performing pretty uh, like all right overall. I skipped over a lot of the wrestling and, and games from cartoons. Yeah, how um, dare you? WWF No Mercy. I I are right, yeah, but at this point they were yearly and it, it, it it's The Rock it says know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> so trying to say something to him? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure most, uh, like, I, I bet a lot of those also sold, uh, you know, decently, too. But uh, enough anyway to get to our next acquisition, a biggie. Relic Entertainment. And like Volition, still around today. Uh, from Canada, they came into the scene in 97 before being purchased in April of 2004. Uh, the RTS homeworld being their proudest achievement by this moment in the timeline. Although a few months later, THQ would see a nice hit from critics following uh, Relic's Warhammer 40K, the Dawn of War strategy PC game. While the very next day they would publish Pandemics, Full Spectrum Warrior. Uh, and you guys play these ones? Yeah, I played Full Spectrum Warrior a couple months ago. Oh, yeah? Was that one of the ones that came in like a, like a, a lot? That you, yeah. What did you think of it? Because I, I only played a demo back in the day. I, I don't actually think I ever sat down with it. It's before. cool. It seemed neat. It's weird. Yeah. It's like anything that's that I remember the name and then the name sticks out to me, but without a visual, I can't remember. It's like it's like I remember being in the higher echelon of military shooters at that time. It's like an RTS kind of, but you're only controlling a squad of people, but you don't directly Mm -hmm. control any of them. You just give them orders. Was it like similar to maybe a a SOCOM? Well, not not the multiplayer stuff. I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Ghost Recon or something. Yeah, it was like SOCOM. And kind of a little bit like the earlier Rainbow Sixes. Okay. but That's neat. Actually, a lot like the earlier Rainbow Sixes. Like, you know how in the early, early Rainbow Sixes, you could, like, control your squad and give them orders? Yeah. It was like that if you weren't controlling somebody. Okay. Like you like, oh, split the squad up into two. Because I was about to say Battalion Wars, but in Battalion Wars, you would do directly no. as units. It's like you have a squad of four, you split them up in two, and then the two go behind this car over here. And then these two are behind the building, and then you direct the two behind the car to shoot at the enemy and give covering fire. And then these two, you tell them to move forward. Mm. It's like an RTS. You're doing RTS like commands, but it's just with four, a squad of four or six okay. people. Do you remember if it was like a it, third person or first person? Third person. Third, yeah. Well. yeah. Now, there were some complaints surrounding the Simulation War shooter uh, strategy game <laughs> uh, in conjunction with their connection to the United States Army. And no, it wasn't a conversation of whether or not it was tasteful, but that the press was questioning if the government lost money on the investment into the funding of it as like the final product itself was deemed, quote, not realistic enough for use of training with young soldiers. That's Mm. how I think America's Army, the game, came to be. Oh, Mm. yeah, yeah. Because I, I do think that the... The uh, American military was were like consultants on the production. Mm. It was a different time. Well, peek behind the curtain. The American military are consultants on a lot of stuff. It's true, including Call, Call including Duty. Marvel movies and Transformers. Transformers movies, and that's why they rep- they're represented the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, don't worry, we'll expand more on relics soon. Uh, I I do believe beginning here they were labeled as THQ Canada. By the way. Uh, both Dawn of War and Full Spectrum Warrior performed successfully, though, uh, so much that it was back to further acquisitions. We have uh, buying everything. I up. know. Uh, con- Wait, hold on. Full yeah. Spectrum Warrior wasn't Relic, was it? It was Pandemic. 
Uh, no, it's pandemic. But okay. th- th- they were both THQ uh, and. Uh, sorry, I got confused. I know. I, I sorry. That was on me. It was more that Full Spectrum Warrior released the day after, so oh, it's THQ okay. published two games in two days. Um, the only reason I wanted to play Full Spectrum Warrior because it was the Battlefront people. Yes, mm-hmm. I liked Pandemic. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, God, what was, was Saboteur their last game? When did they go under? I think Saboteur was their last game. Yeah. I'm going to clip out Randy saying, I like Pandemic, and then frame him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think they would have changed the name if they were still around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, uh, uh, all right, so we have uh, Concrete Games from France. Uh, they're focused more on casual party experiences. Uh, and Australian's Blue Tongue Entertainment, bought within the same fiscal quarter. Um, they began in 95 and did a fair share of more children's-based games, which, speaking of, the license <laughs> release is definitely trucked on. Yeah, I was looking she, yeah. through their, it's tough uh, to like, their publishing list, <laughs> yeah. and it's like they, they had a money print machine with all that licensing yeah. content. Because really, I mean, if you think about the, that time and that era, there was tons of licensing stuff, but everybody had a game or two. Yeah, and you see less of licensed. that now. Because yeah. it was like just and, like a claim. Like, you know, like they had... God, uh, Fairly Odd Parents, uh, more SpongeBob, Polar Express. There was mm-hmm. an Incredibles game that achieved well, top seller status on Xbox, PS2, and GameCube. That's what I was gonna say. Is that THQ is funny because wasn't THQ like dipping their hands in everybody's pocket? Yeah, because THQ was responsible for like every platform too. The DreamWorks games, but also like the Disney Pixar. Yeah, games. you'd think there'd be some conf- conflict of interest, and there. also all the Nickelodeon games as well. Yeah. Like. Direct and, competitors with one another were all just having their games made by THQ. Yeah, I was blown away yeah. looking at their publishing list because yeah. it's there's so much there, and it's like, like they covered so much ground. Yeah. It would be like a game a week. Yeah, it's like, it seems like, it's like yeah. over the hedge and Shrek and Shark Tale, but yeah. also Monsters Inc. and Finding Nemo, but also SpongeBob and. and no, you Fairly bring up a good point. I don't think that would happen today. No, you know, like I mean, look at the Star Wars license when then EA was like, "Hey, for like f- you know for five years or whatever, how long it was? Was it maybe longer? Seven years? Like they ex- like exclusively Star Wars games had to be published under them." But yeah, THQ, they also assisted in bringing a banjo racer to the Game Boy Advance after Rare's move to Microsoft. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a repurposed Diddy Kong racing uh, game. But uh, another thing to note here, similar to the PS2, was THQ's constant dedication to the release of new hardware. As I said, a, a crummy port of Red Faction launched uh, with the Engage earlier in 2004, and their terrible um, Picto Chat knockoff. On a cartridge, it was uh, Ping Pals, came alongside the North American debut of the Nintendo DS that November. Um, I think I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ping Pals. Yeah, I remember Ping Pals. Who, who cares? Everybody just drew dicks anyway. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all true. you ever did with it. <laughs> that's what did it was they do for. that weird game where you had to, like, rub love, love crabs off people? You remember that No, game? that was Feel the Magic, XX slash XY. God, what a sexist title. That's <laughs> yeah. so weird. It's... it's <laughs> love crabs so you yeah. draw the penis and then there's love crabs on it and then you have to swat them away it's like a yeah. warrior wear game yeah. <laughs> it kind of was like a warrior game honestly <laughs> uh, moving uh, into January of 2005 we got another tale of backlash love this one uh, but let's see if anyone can guess my only hint being that volition is involved the punisher yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> man you got that you like quick <laughs> Because I knew um, that Volition didn't do anything between Red Faction 2 and Saints Row 1, right? Mm-hmm. Except for the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, what, what was it? It was a licensing so, dispute? Or? <laughs> no, actually, it's way funnier than that. 
So the Punisher game, a wacky and brutal third-person action adaptation of the infamous uh, comic series of the same name, starring everyone's favorite ruthless vigilante who hates cops, but now people think he loves them for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> it's confusing. But upon sending the build to be rated, the ESRB stamped it with the seldom-used adults-only label when mm. viewing the excessive torture sequences and gore. Uh, I know there was one scene in particular with a wood chipper that they did not like. Um, Sounds great. And maybe this came up on a, you know, like, uh, like I think this has been brought up before during our Hatred episode, but I, so I'm going to keep it simple. Uh, basically, Microsoft and Sony have policies not to allow AO-rated stuff on their platforms, nor will retailers like Walmart and Best Buy carry them. So edits were done, or actually, I think Best Buy might, might target. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, you just go back yeah. and take <laughs> that stuff out and you get under that. Kind of, yes. So edits were done. Uh, they uh, Grainy black and white filters were added over top of the heavier violence, not dissimilar to what Manhunt 2 had to do a couple years later. The changes were accepted. It got an M. Uh, Europe and Australia made additional cuts beyond that. And Germany said, no fucking way, as they tend to do with things of this nature. Tight was. <laughs> so no biggie. The Punisher got out there. Um, I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a great game. <laughs> did you play? Did you, no, no. You should check it out. No, it's like I'm looking. I'm thinking as you're it's going probably kind of tame games, compared to shit these days, right? And I'm going through these games, and I'm like, uh, when when I work, the visualizing game crazy, the box and I'm art, visualizing <laughs> the box art yeah. sitting on the shelf, and it just something never never drew it to me. Yeah, know? and um, I mean, I I actually I wasn't that in the now of like who. Well, was making yeah. what, but I did play that game because it was Volition. Like, oh, like okay. I was like, it's the right That's what I was going to say. It's like, yeah. you know, what draws you to it? And it's like, you know, past the cover art for me <laughs> yeah. at that time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know much about the, you know, the source material. Right. Um, but uh, now, otherwise, there was, uh, you know, other games were happening. There was an MTV, MX vs. MTV game that, uh, like, um, uh, enthusiasts seemed to really MX like. MX vs. ATV. Yeah, they're wait, wait, what did M I say? MX, MX versus MTV. Yeah, they were battling <laughs> off against Polish versus MTV. <laughs> Just um, uh, you know, you're racing a music video on a uh, on an ATV. <laughs> and on to another acquisition. Uh Juice Games. Uh they made Juiced. Juiced? And that's it. Originally under acclaim in 2003 until they met their fate in 2005, this causing THQ to save the day, I guess. I mean, these guys, they're long gone now, but um, also for more on acclaim, check out the topic from us last year. These stories really remind me a lot of each other, but the, yeah. Like, Wait, Juice was Juiced made by was... Juice Games? Yeah. yeah. What a dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> that game was also uh, Bad. Bad. You know, Juice. It was a racing game, if I had What do you, what do you think said. came first, the, the game name or the company name? The company name. Then they were going to make a game about Juice. Do you think Juice was going to be in the name of all what? of their... Is there a more obscure title for a game? Like, I could have... The only thing that comes to mind is, like, an orange juice squeezing game. Do you know what... Do you know <laughs> but what I know that's not Do you it. know what Juice is? No. Okay. What kind of game do you think it is? Uh, oh. Well, workout well, soon. Oh, uh, yeah. That, either, you know, just sticking a, uh, a needle in your own <laughs> ass or... Just squeezing uh, orange juices and trying to fill it to the top the fastest. Again, both WarioWare games. <laughs> yeah, I have no, no idea. It's, it's, a, it's a street racing game. Yeah, it's a street game. racing game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess flying. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> My car is juiced, man. <laughs> so, uh, But here's a cool one to freshen us up. Destroy All Humans. Uh, something we were just mm. watching our buddy Dave play on stream um, after that remaster was released. Um their relationship with Pandemic might have still been, uh, like, strong as the, the cutesy Mars attack-style human exterminating platform shooting playground of silly chaos 
really cemented itself in the minds of many players that gen and enough to spawn a sequel and a re-release anyway great game it's really fun it's uh it's a it can be a little bit of a slow start the second one actually throws you in there uh, a little uh, faster that again I like, another that game I like. I like never played just real humans huh? no no but like i've recently i've seen i watched somebody uh, a play time. a little bit of the the, the remake or mm. remaster or whatever and it definitely looked like just a, a funny, yeah. like, silly. It's very funny. It, it's yeah. a, it is a They're straight B game, and and yeah, and the uh, the presentation reminds me a lot of like Stubbs the Zombie. Like it yeah. is like it that cool. Oh, now you're speaking my language. Retro fifty. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, was this also around the time when they started giving the WWE games like weird story modes? Yes. Uh, yeah. th- no, this is that's coming soon. Okay. I, I don't think it's happened yet. But that, that was that, that was, was when those that yeah. was very late. <laughs> That generation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on, they did publish a second Big Mother Truckers. God, I hate saying that. Uh, well, first one sold like hotcakes. <laughs> you see, no. I liked 18 Wheeler, that old arcade it? game. Who was Let me explain it? the joke. It sounds like Big Mother Fuckers. <laughs> oh, okay. But, they, yeah. but they're truckers. Okay. You know, that is and great. they're fat. Oh, yeah, that's it's piecing it together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you like it now? No. No. Uh, I don't even know how to Sorry, THQ, I tried. <laughs> I don't know how you even sell enough to warrant this the the sequel, you know what I mean? <laughs> you didn't have to sell anything to warrant a sequel in those it was the Wild Wild West That's true. That <laughs> yeah. is ready <3D> gaming. <laughs> hey, we sold five copies. Let's make another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we sell five copies and then three of them buy the sequel, that'll fund development. <laughs> That's crazy. Um there was also Power Ranger stuff, uh Scooby Doo uh stuff, tons of Scooby. Um, another MotoGP, more wrestling, uh, an Evil Dead um, game. Oh, I, I don't. Was it the PS2 game? Uh, PS2 and Xbox. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Res- uh, Evil Dead Regeneration. Resurrection. There's Road to Fiddler's Green. I think that was Raid later. Yeah, I think it is Resurrection. Okay. Um, Tack and the Power of Juju, that bad Nickelodeon video game series that later got turned into a bad Nickelodeon cartoon series. Wow. Um, a Warhammer 40k expansion. A lot of Tack and the Power of Juju hate on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that show fucking stinks. Um, wow, okay. I can't believe there's a CG, there's like a CG fucking animated series in that era that is somehow uglier than Jimmy Neutron already was. Like, <laughs> like watch that's, your mouth. that's fucking impressive. Uh, SpongeBob, SpongeBob, SpongeBob. More Incredibles, despite the film sequel taking a decade and a half. Um, man, THQ, they were active at this point. I'm talking I also, multiple launches a month. You don't see that. Anymore. I'm looking at a list now. I'd also like to point out to our friend Melissa, who probably won't listen to this, they also published Bratz Rock Angels, <laughs> which she was yelling at us last night saying she wants to be on an episode if we ever do an episode about Bratz Rock Angels. Why the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, you missed your chance. Yep. Um, y'all remember the outfit? Hell yeah, I do. Do you? This was their first venture into the seventh generation of consoles. That was Relic, From Relic, right? yeah. yeah. Mostly forgotten now. War FPSs were all over the place for a while, weren't they? But uh, what? I, I never played the outfit. Do you got anything it's, to say? Uh, it's like shitty mercenaries. Okay. Yeah. I was. I mean, I love oh, Mercenaries 1. I was again, disappointed I by Mercenaries representation. Oh, that it. box art, I know you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, Green army men come to life. And whenever I look <laughs> at it, that's army was, men. So yeah. just heroes. It's like, I should specify it's not shitty mercenaries. It's worse mercenaries. It was still pretty good. Was it better than mercenaries too? Yes. All right. More games. More games. Quantity over quality. We got worms. I mean, worms is dope. Teen Titans. We got worms. Pixar. <laughs> we got worms. Uh, Pixar's Cars. Monster House. Dan Harmon's and Rob Schraub's Monster House. 
Uh, I'm done. I can't take reading uh, these forever. So much licensing. Show me a new IP. Show me two new IPs. The good shit already. THQ says, uh, yeah, let's do it. Allow me to bring back our talented friends of Volition um, to introduce one of the best game franchises Used designed to be, to be a ripoff ever. Used to be talented, it, so- it sounds like. Go ahead. <laughs> Saints Row. Ooh. The Xbox 360 was just uh, starting to really hit its stride through its second year. Um, I mean, fuck Perfect Dark Zero and Quake 4. Mm. It was time for Oblivion and Gears of War, Rainbow Six Real Vegas, games. Dead yeah. Rising. You know, Those even, are gamer games. Even Lost Planet. Fuck it. What's wrong with Perfect Dark Zero? <sighs> How much time do <laughs> you have? Okay, dude. <laughs> I can make this 12 hours if you haven't. You edit. like Perfect Dark. I don't get it. I it's do the same thing. Perfect Dark. Um, they, but, just, they just made Joanna Dark more appealing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's taking every ounce. That hurt to say. You can continue. <laughs> so 2006 was an absolute banger year for the platform. I think we can all agree there. But those sons of bitches at Rockstar were just taking too damn long to give us a new GTA. That's when THQ and Volition saw the opportunity to fill the open world crime void and came in with a loud, colorful, and bold take on the genre that I personally dumped a crazy amount of hours into. THQ do what Rockstar don't. (laughs) But something had to hold this over until Grand Theft Auto 4. Um, Saints Row 2 was better. So, you know what's funny? I I think all four are great, but I I think I might feel of maybe a more of a personal attachment to one. Of course. I I definitely, I vaguely, or not vaguely, vividly remember you showing that game off to me and a couple other people. Now, was it one or two that had the dildo bat? Three. I'll never forget. Three is the best one. <laughs> Three is the best one. I, I will never forget what a, what a mind thinks up to make a dildo bat <laughs> but, and why it's the funniest thing. The dildo bat actually comes up in the script. Oh, I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'll let you get there. <laughs> now, it goes without saying that Saints Row 1 probably feels pretty quaint in comparison to where the series would end up down the road, with each entry only further crafting its own identity totally separate from what inspired it. Uh, although, like I said, I, I honestly still have a bit of a soft spot uh, in me for that first one, especially the music, which uh, ironically is likely the uh, main culprit in as to like why in 2021 that thing still hasn't left the 360. Like it, it, it's it's sh- it's sort of shocking to me. Um, uh, but this was for sure THQ's largest scale project yet. Uh, the budget and awareness exceeding any cost of a title released by them uh, prior. And it paid off. It, it broke records for demo downloads, uh, fastest selling for both the dev and the publisher. By the end of the year, it scored two, uh, had 2 million units sold and achieved Xbox's platinum status. Um, I will say, I think... All right, tell me if you can think of a, nut, a better example. All right. In the pantheon of, like, I want to say, quote-unquote, real big air quotes on okay. this, rip-off games. Yeah. It's probably the, the best the in best terms one. of quality and notoriety and yeah. Yeah, sales record. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, we've talked. And they about- were shame like the like the people who worked on it were like, yeah, like we, we yeah, wanted to make a GTA. Was, <laughs> it was but totally there's so many the GTA yeah. ripoffs. Uh, true in the crime generation was all right, before, but yeah, and and some of them were good. Like I liked the Getaway what? and yeah, Lafayette some of them are stuff. good. But like Saints Row is Saints Row One is a GTA ripoff. Yes. But 
but it's really good and then yeah that it became its own thing exactly yeah. that's why by the Entirely. time like two already took it like you know like further in that direction but by the time you got to three it was it, uncomparable to Grand yeah. Theft Auto, you it, know? It definitely like, carved out its own space, Yeah, you know? And 4 is a straight-up superhero game, you right. know? <laughs> um, I mean, I think the only other an- example might be Call of Duty, which was technically a Medal of Honor. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, get this, a week later, uh, Company of Heroes landed on shelves. A dope uh, World War II uh, RTS same, from Relic. Was that the same year as the outfit? I guess so. Maybe this was their apology. Yeah, if, yeah, we're still in 06. Okay. So, good on them. Yeah. Um, I didn't know Company Heroes was that late in Relic's history. I thought that was an earlier game. I didn't know that was 360 era. Yeah, well, that's because Company Heroes 2 came out um, uh, quite some time later. I know. But, but... Um, no, but you're right. Uh, and uh, and <laughs> Red Faction's longstanding moment in the Metacritic Sun was over as Company of Heroes uh, took the top spot for THQ's newest, highest rated child star um uh or star child <laughs> uh i don't know if anyone else here um like has more to say I-, I loved uh the way that this game handled um like like about company heroes like um the way it it like just combat for uh, like a an rts that they like there was a cover system and like destructible buildings. Like I, I never saw anything like that in a real time strategy before. It was killer. It has a, it has a, all the squad they kind of like, picked up and ran with the advantage that Command and Conquer had, mm-hmm. which is that like you have your. St- I know these aren't the only two, but you can essentially divide most RTSs into your Starcrafts and your Warcrafts. You got right. sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> there weren't very many people making like yeah, military the, RTSs. I, I, I get the only ones I can think of are, are like the older Spec Op games. Yeah, but those weren't. They didn't have base building. Yeah, uh, and then like Sudden Strike, but also that I don't think that did either. Like they didn't have resource gathering. Yeah. Um, and Company Heroes was more focused on the action than the yeah. than that. As well, but it was in an era. It was in it an stood era absolutely cl- uh, cluttered with yes. World War II first-person shooters, but not. But nobody really made. No, that's a good point. I mean, people made World War II at, uh, RTSs, but like not on that scale and budget. And yeah, not with that presentation. And it was mostly yeah. that the it, Company Heroes was a PC yes game, right? Yes, so yeah. you're you're kind of. You know, sectioning it off. Yeah, that that's that's a yeah, very yeah. Because co- like, I don't want to say it was niche because it definitely wasn't niche. No, but war shooters were mostly like at that point. Yeah, everything it, had shifted. It, yeah, or at least it felt like there was a big shift in focus from something like a strategy game to just yeah. FPS, FPS, FPS. No, hundred percent. And it's uh and and like by the way, like this, it sold super well and enough to get multiple expansions. And uh, and our subject today. They were finally nearing that pedigree that other AAA companies we such as EA and Ubisoft were like, f- you know, flaunting. I love THQ. I kind of do. Can too. we gush about them for a little bit? Yeah. What a company! <laughs> like, in in like in the era where, of course, THQ shut down, but like in the era that they shut down, like the late 360 era. Yeah. Everybody was becoming so risk averse. Everything they was never, becoming so yeah. sterile and boring. And it's just like, 
They were just like, nah, dude, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think towards yeah. that end of that generation is yeah. when you started to see less chances being taken. Yes, Games, exactly. They didn't put the industry got a budget on big. the line and just hang it out to dry and see, you know, what yeah, it gets. Yeah, exactly. And, it's, and, they, and they, they did this up until missed. the end. I, me too. I, yeah. like, maybe not all these games we talked about so far were for me or they never really appealed no, to I me. No, I mean, they're not all great, but like me and Randy have been to varying levels going back and revisiting these two generations. Mm -hmm. And like, because THQ did Splatterhouse, didn't they? Was that them? I think Splatterhouse was Sega. Was it? I think, yeah, I think you're right. Oh. <laughs> well. I mean, it's still, God, like, reflective of, it's still reflective so of your point, and that, the fucking, that was a weird experiment, you know, of, like. Is that just a Gorpor game? I guess you can only no, get away like with so much. Up. Namco Bandai. Okay. Namco. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's just, like, that weird era of, like, that weird era of games where, like. I don't know. I feel like a studio. Like, look at Relic, right? Yeah. Rel. You know what Relic is currently working on? Mm -mm. Age of Empires Four. I, oh yeah. I was yeah. just gonna say I've seen their company yes. yeah. logo, little splash screen thing happen <laughs> recently, and I was like, why do I? What do I? Oh man, that? when I was doing research on this episode, I was going back and looking at also like a like look at a list of published titles by EA or Ubisoft, like companies who are still around today, and th there's like. All of these crazy th shit, and then it gets to like three games a year, and they're all the same long running sequels that were born from you know like the 360 PS3 era. Yeah, they. Sold and it's them. like fucking depressing. Like, like we just like did you watch EA's um state of play? Not wait, not state of play. EA play. EA play. EA, EA play. play with us. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And Come it was here, like kids. play with us. They taught. It's like. There's like an it's like an hour long presentation dedicated to three titles, yeah. and you're just like, man, do you remember that? All you have to do is go back two gens, and there was like shit like like Dante's Inferno, like, yeah. <laughs> like right. something like EA right. would never like. <laughs> it's funny, and that's one of the things that kind of like bums me out about more modern presentations, and like you know, it's because yeah. it is so thin. And it, unless you're super in on one of the titles that they're announcing, totally, then it doesn't mean it almost, anything to you, right? Yeah, like I it, for this year, I kind of I passed over a lot of uh, presentations. I don't blame you. And it's and yeah. it's kind of like I just kind of got an overview, or they went through everything. It's like they weren't teasing any special announcements, or or maybe they did at the end or something like that. But it's like Microsoft for me, like this year, just like it just. Game, game, yeah, game, that's what they game. do. They can, they can, they have the, like consistently the best show every year. I mean, and people still given hate them. Their pockets are the deepest, you know? sure, but yeah. like, and they're supporting it's, it's, a console. It's, but... a, it's a combination yeah. of them being thin, which is like, I get thin because games cost a lot of money and there's a lot riding on them, whatever, but also wholly uninteresting, really, and mm -hmm. predictable. Right, I think yeah. is that that is the that's the ultimate. Because like word. when 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 you're EA and you're doing your 2021 big E3 presentation, which also is a month fucking late, but you're doing <laughs> your big E3 2021 presentation, and even the 2020 presentation, because the 2020 presentation, they're they're big like, and one more thing at the end was like, hey, I'm a dude in a backwards baseball cap. We're making skate again. Yeah. And they're all, a, you I, know they're only making skate as a response to people yeah, that right. But also all we have is a logo skate. and we literally just started hiring people. It's not exciting. And then they're like They did it this year with Dead Space. Yeah, that's Dead what Space I'm saying. fucking 20, rules. Twenty twenty one, they're like, We're remaking Dead Space One. Yeah. 
And I'm like, why? <laughs> just instead, why don't you? It's too risky to make what, four. Do what Visceral yeah. did and make oh. something yeah, that make cool. A, yeah, like they're they're weird. Not even an original. Not even an original Dead Space. Dead Space. Pub, yeah. Make something like Dead Space. Something Definitely, that like because yeah. Visceral. Visceral is a really good. I know we're going mm-hmm. off topic on THQ a little bit, but didn't Visceral was that born out of Eurocom? Yes, I believe so. Okay, and and there was like, and that was always cool to see, um, because you know I I mentioned uh, like Dante's Inferno, which was Visceral, mm-hmm. and it was like that's s- really funny you bring that up because. That's definitely a game I want to go back to and revisit. I love yeah. Dante's Inferno. And it's like, that game it's is great. so different than Dead Space yeah. in every way. Yeah. Like, in, well, it, was a in, very, it was very God of War you have, parallel. You have me yeah. thinking about Adjacent. Visceral's very good analog to uh, Volition. Yeah. Or early on in their, because EA ruined them, and they'd made Battlefront <laughs> Hardline, and then they shut them Which down. Which they didn't want to make well, that game man. anyway. No, they yeah, didn't, yeah. but like... Yeah. But like, yeah, you had like Dead Space, and then they did Dante's Inferno, which is nothing like it. It's like mm-hmm. the, the comparison between Red Faction and Saints Row, right? Yeah, totally. And then like you get to, I don't oh know. god, if Volition was under EA's reign now, they'd be shuttered. Yeah, you know? and it's just like, I don't know, man. And not even to pick on EA. I mean, like I said this, everybody. I said this before to Randy. Is like, THQ Nordic isn't the same thing, but they're trying to be. They are. And I do appreciate it. I do too. Even remember, if the game output hasn't been amazing. Yeah, because like when they made Biomutant, I was telling Randy, I was like, that game, right. this game doesn't look good. Right. But it looks interesting. But it looks like an old THQ product. Yeah. Right. It yeah, looks like different. something that would have come out of that era. You know yeah. what's so funny? You're not I, grading it like it's The Last of Us 2 or Red yeah. Dead 2. You're grading it like it's this. I was looking at that game kinda. recently, and there's something about that game that just draws me to it, right? Yeah. And then when the game came out, and it got not so great reviews or you know mediocre reviews. Yeah, yeah. It was like this thing that they were pumping for a long time, and then it finally comes out, and it's like, eh, maybe play it, buy it on sale type of thing. But it's like there is definitely something alluring about it. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's a good uh, another good example. I say this is a very Randall moment here, but um, Ubisoft published thirteen, right? Yeah. And um, the funny thing is, like, I love that game. It's not great. But right. it is so striking and right. different that people remembered it enough. Yeah, that it, you know that it still gets like brought up. I mean, there's literally a clip of it in that FPS documentary trailer. Like it's like it, <laughs> this weird like pursuit of, of safe like qual- like you know what I mean? It's like like Battlefield um uh the twenty twenty forty two twenty forty two. I think it looks cool, but like if you're not into that, it's just like man, that EA thing would have been like. You, you would yeah, not. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, they're not trying to lot sell of, or bring new people on. To, I don't want to be too down on it because there are a lot of cool games coming out. But it, it just no, there seems are. like, and even with that game specifically, the portal stuff seems interesting. It's just like you it's know, the reason it, why we, if you listen to our E3 episode, like me and Randy spend probably a decent chunk <laughs> of time talking about Devolver, and that's because Fuck those yeah, indie publishers, Annapurna, yeah. Annapurna, Devolver, mm-hmm. stuff like that, have become. Yes. Yes. The THQ. Yeah. It's a funny dichotomy. I was actually thinking about recently. I was like scrolling through, ga- like on GameStop, you know, because I have some games I want to trade, mm-hmm. and I'm scrolling through, and I'm like, man, I'm click PS5, looking through the list. It's like, you know, handful of remakes or remasters. Yes, and then, a lot of that. You know, and I get it. Games are very technically advanced now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to push stuff out faster. A quality product, this that. Mm-hmm. It's a big risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man. 
that indie games, there's like a new great indie game coming out like every week. Yeah. And these publishers and, like, and they're we, not it's not like always like the we're starting to get to the age because I'm thinking about this. We were talking about Death's Door last night. Mm-hmm. Like we're starting to get to the age where like we're getting repeat. We're getting sophomore efforts from indies because mm-hmm. indies take forever to make games, which is there's not that many people working on them. Yeah, so it yeah. makes sense. But like I had that thing where I played Death's Door and I was like, this is great. And I was like, oh, this is the Titan Souls people. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. It took them seven years right. to make, but like it makes sense. <laughs> so why doesn't like, you know, it's like uh, to go back to EA for uh, just real quick. It, yeah, this is know, the EA episode. <laughs> no, they true. published, um, you know, they do their EA originals line. Right. And this yeah. year they, 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 they released uh, It Takes Two, which was a game that like reviewed really well. Right. I, I don't know like if it if it hit the sales that EA wanted, but it seemed pretty it fucking successful well. and, and that's well. great it, it you know like i was happy to see that you I, know I, what else did surprisingly well what's that the other ea original knockout city oh really i played knockout city did you play knockout city i they saw have that it. lost in random game that's coming out soon yeah um but it, it, it but cool it, right but like there's still interesting. it was definitely interesting this yeah. stuff is working and ea still isn't listening no. you know like they only do like one of these every once in a while yeah as opposed to just like we talked about this before but right? we we're like why don't like there's a third party department working at ubisoft and and ea and these other publishers of just like why don't you just find more studios like that and fucking help right. them out give them some money and like everybody wins you know but yeah, it's a you give these companies uh, room to explore and also uh, room to um, experiment a little bit. Yeah, and sometimes you strike gold. I there's definitely a They're so afraid of failure. Though. It's it's a definite yeah. It is this risk weird versus reward system because a couple people are doing this like a good because like EA and Ubisoft like don't well I guess they bombs still get published every once in a while but right. not like back then here it's just like they definitely don't market it to be a bomb well, you, know? yeah. you have like studios like a good example is take two right i, I mean I, I still bet anthem and, and like mass effect andromeda and hyperscape pulled in some money sure. know, they, but like take two started private division oh which yeah which was supposed to be like their devolver and then like they've published five games i believe which was like that disint that disintegration game which bombed horribly ancestors which bombed horribly oh I outer know. outer worlds which did great but then now microsoft owns it because microsoft bought obsidian oh yeah right and then they <laughs> right. and then now they own kerbal and they're yeah. publishing kerbal too actually i i think uh space, a good comparison yeah. <laughs> uh with thu might be 505 right now like they pub- sure. they they publish control and, yeah. and stuff like that, and I think like God, the the PC version of like like Death Stranding and stuff. Yeah. Um, so like we might start to see this again finally, but well, yeah, I feel like the double A publisher died, so the triple the triple I publisher like could flourish. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah, it's there's mi- just it's just a push. It's a gap of investment. It's that's yeah. pretty much the only difference. Be on the lookout, listeners. We're gonna be back in this room talking about Midway at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no, we're we're about a point in the story where um they they want to look for more in house development. Um, people are digging these original properties, as it turns out. You know, <laughs> uh, this was when they set their eyes on an up and comer called Vigil Games. Hell yeah, Vigil mm. Games formed a year ago uh, uh, in uh, 05 in Austin, Texas. It was started by comic book artist Joe. I'm gonna butcher this name. Um, Maduria. 
and David Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, they staffed up and got hard to work on something that we will revisit momentarily. Um, shortly after this, uh, there was Chaos Studios with a K was founded, uh, run out of New York City. Um, THQ hired uh, core members of uh, Trauma Studios, uh, the team behind the popular Desert Combat mod for uh, Battlefield 1942. What's up with these studio that, uh, that Electronic Arts shut down. What's up with these studio names? Pandemic, Trauma. <laughs> yeah, it was it's a different not the most time. Po- yeah. yeah, it's like not, yes. you don't associate them. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get Head, to their stuff. Head in a bit Wound too. Studios. <laughs> but it didn't stop here. They opened up a sub in uh, Warrington, England, along with Incinerator in California for more racing stuff. Hell yeah. Um, they also got uh, uh, Paradigm. Um, Paradigm. Paradigm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's a dumb word. Yeah. Uh, they're another Texan uh, who honestly did a respectable job of uh, evolving graphics and tech in the field since their formation in 1990. Uh, Pilot Wing 64, Beetle Adventure Racing, hmm. uh, the Spy Hunter reboot. Which I, I very much enjoyed. Okay. Um, they were a decent group. Uh, sorry, Spy Hunter, not the um, the movie game one. I'm talking oh, okay. about the the the, the PS2 one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Um, in 2007, Mass Media Games from California was acquired. They've been doing their thing since the 80s, apparently. Then into the 90s, it was uh, with titles for the CDI. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, some DOS projects, StarCraft 64. Yeah. Several Namco and Pac-Man uh, collections, former topic. Uh, GBA editions of old Blizzard classics like Rock and Roll Racing and the Lost Vikings. Uh, this leading all the way to the Bible game. Austin cared to tell the listeners yeah. at home about that hot piece. <laughs> um, I've seen this. Again, it's great. It's I've tri- seen a lot of games. I it's a trivia game, game about the Bible, but every once in a while there's mini games. Like Mario Party style. Like Mario Party style, and they play awesome music behind the mini games. <laughs> Really sweet, awesome rock music that's awesome. Yeah, not at all being uh, facetious. I won. <laughs> the one. All right, yeah, all I right. know so much about you the Bible. You know more about the Bible Ask than me. Ask me a question about the Bible. Who wrote it? Matthew, Mark, Paul, Luke, John. <laughs> one of those is wrong because there's only four. What's its medical Leviticus. Score? The Bible? Yeah. A uh, hundred, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no flaws. I think that user rating's pretty low. <laughs> Uh, that aside, in response of their parent company, Time Warner, halting their uh, interactive division, mass media went independent, and then in early 07, THQ scooped them up, helped them publish a middling version of Tetris with Evolution. Um, but that March, Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, finally saw its Whee! launch. Is that, that's that's the Tetris snob alarm, The Tetris snob alarm. Is that the S That was a 360. Yeah, do you know what that stands for? No, what does it say for? Does Hold have on, a meaning. You have to look it up. It's a it's an acronym. Delph. It's uh, yeah, it is. Nope. Stalker. First encounter insult. Acronym. Is that no? That's fear. Oh, scavengers. Oh, yeah. Come on, <laughs> scavengers, trespassers, adventurers, loners, killers, explorers, and robbers. Yeah, fit that on the box. Yeah, um, stalker stands for. So this game, th- this followed a, a, a lengthy production uh, that it, it unfortunately did have its fair share of bugs, uh, even. 
upon release, uh, especially with Vista. But that didn't stop it from clicking hard with a unique audience of those willing to dive into its mysterious world. And Stalker um, 2 looks fucking bomb. Yeah, Stalker yeah, 2 looks awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Stalker 2 looks bomb. Man, I'm sure is one of those things, like, I, if, if you're vague, you know, generally familiar with games, you've I feel like you've heard it. And if you're like, yeah, maybe you've never played it because it was. Yeah, no. I played a little I bit of it. Same way, I thought yeah. it was interesting. Like, yeah. It was flawed, but interesting. I, I like, I kind of enjoyed what I saw. It, 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 it is, uh, it can be impenetrably difficult. Um, oh, of course. Um, <laughs> but, Listen, uh, Randy, living in the shadow of Chernobyl ain't easy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, okay, so going, uh, uh, back to those, uh, acquisitions and formations, when you add all of them together, including their mobile friends in Finland under Universomo. THQ had a whopping 22 studios under them, working full-time. Half of them, like, primaries. Um, By May 2007, they would report its record high figures and net profits of over $1 billion. We've reached the golden age. Killing it. (laughs) And this, of course, meant more games. Money makes money. Uh, They published a new entry to uh, Stuntman with Ignition. That was a cool game. Mm -hmm. I like Stuntman. Uh, more motorcycle sims, more wrestling. Uh, drawn to life for the DS. Mm-hmm. Just neat. Mm-hmm. Um, Juice 2. <laughs> Who cares? Oh, okay. uh, Avatar, not James Cameron's. Um, Conan, Ratatouille, another MX first ATV. Said it right that time. Handheld Warhammers, Frontline Fuels of War. That was chaos, right? Woof. That was chaos, yeah. Uh, Wally, De Blob on iOS was a big success. Um, they were not hard in the mobile space. Saints Row 2, this time multi platform. Um, so releases everywhere. Yeah, they're killing it. Yeah, they got they're again in every on every platform, mm-hmm. making money from everyone so much that Maryland developers Big Huge Games named THQ their parent company here as well. The people behind say it, Austin, Kings of Drama or Reckoning. Yeah, the first hot topic, uh, hot topic, hot button topic ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, they also did a uh, Rise of Nations, I believe. So, the, the, of course, like Kings of Amalur wouldn't be till uh, uh, years later, but still, um, for more on them, you know, uh, check, check out, out our first episode. Our pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of notable people within those walls. But it was looking pretty damn good for our once toy manufacturer. Uh, however, nothing lasts forever. Uh, most notably, when it isn't uh, this sustainable. And here, my friends, is just about when we are going to get into the genesis of their downfall. And boy, there's going to be some... Wins here, but uh, uh, like, and they're like, don't get me wrong, but uh, bad decisions after bad decisions are inbound. Why we're here today? You stopped at Saints Row Two, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a game that came out right after Saints Row Two that THQ published. And if oh, you say it's part of their downfall, I'm gonna leap across this room <laughs> and punch you in the fucking. All right, we'll f- we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, now here's the thing: it it wasn't all their fault. Uh, we're in late 07 going into 08 now, so, I mean, y'all remember what else happened then? No. The biggest recession since yeah. the Great Depression. I was, I was gonna say, the bubble popped, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah 08. What happened? 08. Hmm, the house missed market. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this combined with a slight decline in game sales led to the closure of a bunch of those internal studios uh, in November of uh, 2008. Uh, five to be exact. Paradigm, Mass Media, Helix, Locomotive, and Sandblast. Paradigm. <laughs> you fucking... <laughs> as much of a blow uh, that this was, some cool fucking releases were still coming out. Problem was, they weren't selling the way they were before. Few things were. Uh, there's <laughs> Deadly Creatures for the Wii, 
was a fascinating attempt at something different. Uh, anyone ever hear about this? Rainbow made it. You like play as a spider or scorpion or whatever. Uh, again. And you battle snakes and rats and shit. Billy yes. Bob Thornton and fucking Dennis Hopper start in it. Uh, again, it's yeah, real I, weird. Man. <laughs> Literally, I'm like standing in Game Crazy looking at the, <laughs> at the show. Wall? And I'm like, what a crazy box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's just a snake going after a spider. <laughs> Oh, what a crazy! What a well, that is such an experiment. Yeah, we need to find a copy of this. Uh, speaking of weird, and what is perhaps the strangest fucking narrative setup to a game ever, as evident by how much it comes up on our show, Fifty Cent Blood on the Sand, uh, the largely improved sequel to the first iteration, where our rapper turned super soldier gets sent to the Middle East to retrieve the crystal skulls. Was that it? <laughs> no, he goes to a concert. He has a concert in the Middle East. <laughs> And okay. he's going to get paid in Crystal Skulls. I can't believe I never played this. But game. they don't pay him. <laughs> uh, so then Problems the re- him and the rest of G-Unit got to find this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, speak- what a game. Yeah. Are you saying that's part of their downfall? Well, not. It didn't. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So... Uh, and speaking of sequels, uh, Warhammer 40K Dawn of War 2, uh, highly regarded, I hear, uh, especially mm-hmm. for my one roommate. Also, to blob on consoles, expansions to Company Heroes, and Saints Row 2, all tours back. Aside from a poor destroy human side game, all these were performing great critically, just not commercially. <laughs> I think other than uh, Dawn of War 2, like, they all undersold. Um, in fact, this soon amounted to THQ pawning off big, huge games to 38 Studios, mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as convert Heavy, Iron, and Incinerator into being uh, independent. Um, the only landmark successes this whole season were Yuke's UFC 2009 Undisputed, coming from an agreement with the Ultimate Fighting Championship organization in 2007, while the second uh, was none other than Red Faction Guerrilla. Uh, a now third-person follow-up to Red Faction 2, and um, it was really fucking good. Uh, nice use of open world. Um, the improved destruction engine for structures was, like, amazing. You know, nothing like walking a mech through an entire building and watching it fall apart. Um, incredible tech, even if the story and multiplayer were, you know, lackluster. Um, uh, what'd you guys think of Gorilla? Gorilla, rules. yeah. I didn't realize Gorilla and Saints Row 2 were that close together. Yeah, because they they did the, some crossover stuff with their DLCs, which is yeah, because their Saints there wasn't the Saints Row one of the Saints Row two DLCs, the Altor, where Altors gets involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they do a very coy like Doom Wolfenstein sort yeah. of like. <laughs> um, you had to have played Gorilla, right, Sean? Yeah, I, I'm again. I pl- played, and for how long? A little bit different, but mm. I do remember playing oh, Gorilla, you and should pl- you should mm-hmm. play that. The you can play the remastered edition. Remastered. Yeah, you know what? No, I do remember because I remember uh, m- most fun I had in that game was taking the sledgehammer and just sm- yeah going around the bottom of a building yep. mm-hmm. and just smacking it all out <laughs> until it all toppled and yeah, collapsed. Uh, I do remember. I wasted a lot time. of time. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. That game to invites you to waste time. Though. Right. That, that's yeah. like you know, like they want you to do that. It's definitely like, ooh, cool. Look what this does. It's like it's very. Oh, that physics engine is very cool to oh, mess yeah. around in. Uh, now, the, the problem was two spikes in profit wasn't going to be enough. Um, so while the old standbys of licensed stuff still continued like Pixar's Up and, I don't know, more Spongebob, uh, they did try their hands at free-to-play with a different GTA-style shooter made in the Ukraine called Crimecraft. 
I remember Crime Crab. Yeah. It had a shitty business model and wasn't worth it anyways. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, going forward, there was the next chapter in the Drawn to Life uh, series. Uh, it's a, or Drawn to Life, the next chapter. I'm not sure what they could have added outside of already being able to draw up your own main character. I thought this might have been the game that had that insane fucking ending that they had to like go back and patch. I don't remember that. Yeah, so I, okay. I only got from memory here. The Drawn to Life sequel, I think at the end you find out it's like kind of all a dream and that you died. Like you and it's like you're like a little girl and her little brother and the little brother like falls and hits his head and gets like into a coma. And like it's and then they're like, this is kind of dark. So they like put it, they re-put it back out on DS and then made it way happier. I don't know. I don't, yes. Two realms. <laughs> is that the sequel? Two realms? No, yeah, here it is. The hero returns with Heather, who is now without her dark side. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I remember this. The screen turns black to white. The same description of that night is displayed. Heather prays for her little brother. God, just bring back my little brother. During the ending credits, a series of still photos of the events of that night are shown, <laughs> which depict Heather, Mike, and their parents going home from a carnival and eventually being involved in a car crash. Yeah, see, there it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's wild. <laughs> uh, although the fate of the parents is left ambiguous, the sequel, Drawn to Life Two Realms, confirms that they died. Heather sustains minor injuries, <laughs> and her brother Mike goes into a coma. Heather prays that her brother is to wake up. Later, Mike wakes up from his coma, and Heather hugs him out of joy. The final photo shows doll versions of Jowie and Mari that were won at the carnival. An alternate ending is present in the Drawn to Life collection, uh, okay. due to the originals being considered yes. too dark. <laughs> It's like, These Jesus fucking games. Christ. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, Rated yeah. E for everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the Dude, kids Trauma game. in all forms. <laughs> uh, then we, uh, there's more wrestling, Worlds of Zoo, whatever that is, uh, and uh, MX versus ATV Reflex. Um, if it's not obvious, many of these uh, didn't particularly light the planet on fire uh, or keep it warm as, toward, <laughs> as towards the back half of the year. Um the winning numbers caused THQ to form a plan to trim $220 million in annual costs by 2010 and invest in, quote, fewer, better bets, which they honestly sort of already were on track with, just not drastically. I know something that came out in 2010. Yeah? <laughs> All right, let's see if it comes up. Uh, so despite previous reports showing that they were once even close to fucking Activision in terms of net value, we're talking like that, you know, that billion in revenue, yeah, it's $68 million in profit. Uh, though these uh, big big budget releases, regardless of solid reviews, were not, you know, like they weren't paying off to the degree that they desperately needed with the ongoing economic collapse. Uh, their strategy of cutting out the shovelware while going ahead with the <laughs> real video games was commendable. Uh, it showed respect for the medium, at least, but, um, you know, still it was risky. Um, the first example of this was that many of the extra titles based off children's properties would be put on hold. A smart decision as younger audiences began to shift their attention towards like free online and browser apps, like right from Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network, like directly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, no need to like you know fund the full price products anymore. Um, but this wasn't all they had to do. Um, after all, shares were still down eighty six percent from the last year. The company itself holding its spot uh, on the market at one hundred seventy three million, um, so low that there was a possibility they could be acquired themselves. Um, now, a few months back, before I forget, they did make one final acquisition uh, for an experienced team from San Diego that used to work first party under Midway, uh, the third piece in their, you know, B-game publisher trilogy. Uh, <laughs> eventually, keep an eye out. Uh, and if you're probably curious, why, like, 
do this while in the middle of hurting for cash? Well, that's because the purchase was for a measly 200 Gs. And wow. these guys were no amateurs either. We're talking the artist that brought us Doom 64, Hydro Thunder, Off-Road Challenge, Ready to Rumble Boxing, and also, you know, like Freaky, freaky Flyers and Gauntlet 7 Sorrows. They were terrible. But, but hey, they did do the home versions of MK3, Cruising USA, Rampage World Tour, Quake, and NFL Blitz. Like, I'd say it's a fucking sweet deal. Yeah. Um, not to mention the sale included the assets to everything they worked on outside mm -hmm. of TNA Impact, likely due to the rights of the featured wrestlers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good get. Mm -hmm. uh, but moving uh, uh, right into 2010 officially, we got our first higher profile release in a while. This the is the one I was thinking of. Can <laughs> I say it? Yeah, Vigil Games. Darksiders. Darksiders. Yep. They were prepping their debut uh, a hack and slash adventure centered around the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse. You were uh, war in this one, right? Uh, I believe yes. so. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I I never got to play Darksiders. It's funny because my one roommate is is going through the the remaster right now. But I know you guys have some feelings. I love yeah. Darksiders. Yeah. Darksiders one is great. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to two later as well. Um, but hit, I, I want to know about one hitting back on that whole like making ripoffs but doing it right thing that right. I was talking about with exactly. Saints Row. Mm -hmm. Darksiders is Darksiders one is potentially the best non Zelda Zelda game I've ever played. Yeah, and you're so, not the yeah. first person that that yeah. has told me that for sure. No, I I completely agree. And it's agree. like it's shameless, dude. It's Zelda, <laughs> but they just keep throwing mechanics from other games of the time in. Like there's a portal gun in it and shit. Wait, really? Yeah, because I was like, uh, like, I like not only are, are I know you guys feeling strong, but like many critics, uh, like as well, like it, it, they they praising its combination of I got Devil May Cry, God of War, and like you know, yeah, like you said, it's Zelda. Fucking, yeah. like, it's, it's Zelda with Devil May Cry combat. Like it's really <laughs> good. It's yeah. like I don't know how yeah, much they left their mark. You know? More I can say about it than that, but like the the art style, like you said, the. I forget that dude's name, but it's the Battle Chasers guy yes, yeah, yeah. who who helped found Vigil. Right. Like his art is phenomenal. Yeah, that it, box art sells itself. Right. Yeah, like, it was so engaging, and that that's one of those things where I remember playing it and being totally I immersed. And uh, for me, growing up, like I, I wasn't a sixty N sixty four, so like the early Legend of Zelda's or even SNES to N sixty four, you know, Ocarina of Time and George Mess stuff yeah. like that never really appealed to me. And this game, I, I it was definitely more uh, the art style, like you were saying, just yeah. just appealed to me. So cool. The story was appealing, and uh, they just it was good gameplay, good mechanics. It was a, it was a, it was an overall package. And that does seem like something that THQ would, you know, like take a gamble on. Yeah, like, and and know, also like, like a very safe bet because like I don't mm -hmm. know, you know, Vigil prove themselves obviously but like the 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 conceit of darksiders is that it takes place during the apocalypse yeah and you play as the f one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse war but the other three are mentioned yeah so it, it sets itself up really well for, for sequels other entries yeah which um, it did you know because you play as uh, Death in two, and then you play as uh, Fury in three, and then you play as Strife in four. Right, because it's not Famine Genesis, and right? uh, no, it's 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 their own interpretation okay. of it. Yeah, and uh, Pestilence, Is that the other one, Pestilence, Pestilence yeah. hey. is two, right? No, de well they so don't you throw me into the Bible. It's game. it's Death, War, Death, Famine, and Pestilence are the Bible, the biblical yeah, yeah. Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. But <laughs> in this, it's uh, War, which is Darksiders one. 
uh, Death, which is Darksiders 2, Fury, yeah. which is Darksiders 3, and then Strife, which is Darksiders Genesis. Genesis. Right. Oh, I thought Genesis was more of a spinoff. No, Gen- it, it's a sequel. But the gameplay is like different. I mean, it is same different. with Dark, Darksiders 3. Well, also, Genesis is, when it became a Dark is two-player drop-in, drop-out co-op, and it's yeah. war and strife. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that, that February, uh, Juice Games and Rainbow rebranded, but then March, and, and, sorry, now it's uh, shifting back to my turn. March sang the beginning of the Metro franchise. Um, you know, like, also, you know, pretty fucking punk rock. It was uh, based off the Russian novel by Dmitry Glukovsky. That uh, dude rules. Yeah, who I who I believe was, like, you know, involved, like, quite a bit in the production of the adaptation I said himself. This, I like, think I said this in our Discord, but, like, uh, he is such a weird parallel to The Witcher. Yeah. Uh, because the dude that wrote The Witcher books fucking hates the games. To the point where they made... <laughs> the thing that put him on the map. Yeah, yeah, when they made the Netflix series of The Witcher, he's like, don't you dare fucking use those games. Use my books. And they were like, okay. <laughs> and they had to do like subtle nods to the games because Henry Cavill, That's why everybody, yeah. like everybody else, is a fan of the game and not the book because <laughs> he's not fucking Polish. Yeah. Aren't those books not... Uh, isn't like the first book not translated or yeah, something Yeah, so I'm saying like it's in Polish. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's... Yeah. But but then but this eventually. guy but this guy our hey, fr- our, our former fr- guest yeah, Andrew, Andrew I, that was told amazing. us this guy speaks twelve languages so he right. translated the book in a, in twelve different languages by himself <laughs> and rad. also he loves he his fans fucking yeah. loves the games yeah <laughs> he loves them and and he's not alone because I do too yeah. I, I loved Metro twenty thirty three yeah. although admittedly I didn't jump into it until it's um Redux, Redux. yeah Same. version Same. that came out a few yeah. years to be fair I. I never played Redux. I didn't beat one because it is a little rough. Okay. Redux is twenty thirty three. Redux is it's redone. done in the style of of its direct sequel of Last Light. It's in right. the engine for Last. Oh, Light. okay. Uh, and I I thoroughly Sean, enjoyed both of them. Sean, yeah, me too. I think Sean me too. mentioned this before, but like that's on my like um, what would that's the, what the you... term be? The list of shame. Yeah. <laughs> like I always, yeah. it's always Metro. The Metro series is always in the back of my mind. Yeah, and, like, Dark Siders is mine. I own yeah. them all. I should just go back and play them. And they still hold up. Like, I, like I recommend it. That is such, again, like Darksiders is like the sale. Like, tell me if this accurately describes you guys. They were uh, like, somebody was like, it takes place in the Russian apocalypse and everybody lives underground and they use bullets as currency. Yeah. And I was like, I'm in. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm in. That's such That's a exactly great setup. For me. Yeah. Don't need to hear anything else. Those right. fucking gnarly, like, weird weapons you use. It's like a bike pump attached yeah. to a revolver and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah that like... that uh, a game like it's you so said. Cool. I didn't play at initial release, uh, but then went back and played when uh, yeah. they reiterated on it, and I absolutely fell in love with that game. Yeah. Setting, aesthetic, um, the whole vibe. It's just this horror atmosphere. Yeah. Atmosphere, perfect yeah. word. If, that, if you want a very games... atmospheric, like non-open world survival shooter, like, and they're they're paced so well, like mm-hmm. they're they're nice and tight. They're those not like overly long. Nail like, atmosphere yeah. in a way that. Very few video games can. Like the like the needing to wear the mask when you go to the surface and then if you get mm-hmm. shot, the mask cracks. Yeah, and you gotta wipe it off. You have too, like an yeah. oxygen meter <laughs> and you gotta wipe the sweat yeah. off and like you don't use a flashlight. Yeah. You use a, a lighter and Shut you can up. like burn stuff with I it. I gotta oh. ask, did, uh, did you play it in Russian? No. Uh, no. I, I didn't. No. I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I like the funny uh, accents and uh, all that all the dialogue. <laughs> Uh, so here's the like what's funny like both Darksiders and Metro's profits weren't spectacular out of the gate. Positive word of mouth helped significantly in each case. Yeah. So like 
but by that spring, like, it, like it's weird how, how long the tales were ended up being on those games because like people are still discovering those that series both like either now. Oh well, yeah, no, I played. I did not play Darksiders or Metro at launch. Yeah, uh, for me, Darksiders was sh- I believe shortly after it came out. And I played Metro Darksiders was like years because I know I played Darksiders on PC, and I believe Darksiders didn't come out on launch on PC at launch. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't want to. It was PS3, Xbox. Yeah, and One then era. later, it was on PC. Yeah, yeah. Because then you got and the War edition or War Master edition. What? It was on PC and. You gonna get there? Oh yes, yes I am. <laughs> Don't worry, that's actually coming up very soon. Because you know where the first, you know where the first place I ever played Metro twenty thirty three was. Was on that really? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it was you'll, you'll the, get, okay. You'll get that's to funny. It. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I had no idea you had a firsthand experience with it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, uh, the thing is, it's like there was there was another entry in the in the UFC series that gained a bit of traction on the sales charts, but like, you know, like again, like unfortunately, it's just like Darksiders and Metro, like people had to people had to rap behind the scenes about how cool they were. Like when yeah. they when they just dropped, nobody really knew what they were. Right, right. You know, like out of the gate, um, both those titles, like they needed like you know the behind the scenes mm-hmm. loving, like yeah. you know, it's like it's like when they first dropped there wasn't an expectation mm-hmm. uh, but it's like behind the scenes loving is a good 70s album <laughs> yeah for pacific coast pacific coast power and light yeah, presents was... behind the scenes loving yeah yeah if i could only go back in time i'd have a billboard number one uh i also should specify that um here's xeo jack friedman he uh he he, he passed away uh, in this uh, in May, 2010? it was uh, yeah. He's due to lack of people to yell at. <laughs> yeah, at age seventy, uh, as I mentioned. But uh, skipping over a, um, a cool guy, more of of the the cheap shovelware. We finally have our biggest smoking gun. Uh, anyone want to guess? I feel like you know it. Smoking gun. Yeah, what if I did, what if I did this? You draw. Oh yeah. <laughs> I took my vape and yeah. Um, Oh, That's right, yeah. the U Draw game tablet. Uh, so this is 2010. This is 2010. Okay, so yeah, about 11 years ago. Yeah, so <laughs> you reminded me of this, and I I completely <laughs> had forgotten about it. And you're like, how did you not? You worked in a game store when this happened, and I was I, like, oh yeah. I mean, that's to be t- telling, right? And we had to gut these boxes, and I forget what they retailed for. But I and now after you like brought it up and reminded me of what it was. Oh, don't Man. worry, I know how much of retail for it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, so, I remember it now. It was revealed that August as a drawing accessory for the Nintendo Wii. Uh, this in the midst of an era where specialized plastic peripherals were slightly on their way out from previously dominating the market. You know, your rock bands and guitar heroes and what have you. Um, but it would allow players to use a tethered stylus on a mini digital notepad controller. Uh, it was to be 70 bucks um, and house the Wiimote right in it. You could like, you know, clamp it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of all, THQ stated that new software would launch every couple months to support it. Initial reactions honestly weren't bad. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed more like child focused and there sh- was for sure a demographic for that. Uh, in fact, once reviews were later posted on its um, premiere pack-in that arrived in November, UDRAW Studio, many of those in the press were quick to point out its accessibility, durability, and like clean design. And um, also it's like, 
kind of an impressive product for $70. Sure. No, yeah. Because yeah. those tablets for your computer are not $70. <laughs> they are yeah. way more. Yeah. Right? Uh, so despite the uh, actual game portion maybe not landing the scores they had hoped for, many analysts thought the idea was promising, going as far as saying it could, quote, sell millions of units uh, as a sort of sleeper hit of the upcoming holiday season. Little did they know, these estimates would be a key factor in their eventual sinking, even if it's not exactly how many people label it, looking back today. Uh, we'll get to what I mean there in a sec. Because you draw on the Wii, not a failure, it was performing fine. Same with their latest WWE join and Double Fine's uh, costume quest. Cute um, game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, going through uh, their you know formal gameography, however, uh, that was basically it for the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, post-Christmas and into 2011, it was announced that THQ was selling off its wireless division to a Swedish mobile company called 24Moss. Um, Swedish? Yeah. Moss? <laughs> <laughs> 24 months yeah. they also revealed a uh, slicker logo to replace the old one uh, I prefer the old one just saying but but some respectable ass games were still continuing to drop there was stacking uh, a, also Double Fine yeah uh, there was like yeah, a yeah. cute little puzzle title mm-hmm. uh, from Double Fine once again as you said um, the reboot of the often hilarious party trivia game You Don't Know Jack uh, that of course later went on to spawn an absolutely Wonderful treasure trove of of spinoffs. Uh, I can't yeah, recommend those enough to just yeah. about everyone. Amazing party. Can games. you yeah. imagine its if use of TH- a smart device browser for the interface was tremendously brilliant? Can you imagine if THQ was around to like reap the benefits. Of I know. Publishing you don't know Jack, right? Holy shit! Jackbox is killing it right now. Wait, so yeah. that's that's when the first you don't know Jack came out. Yeah. No. Oh, no, the reboot. The reboot. Oh, the reboot. Yeah, because it, it was a ni- well, It was released an, in the nineties. Yeah, it's but a when 90s they series. right, they okay, brought back. I remember the board game yeah. version of it, but they they did the they phone published the first. Uh, yeah, that's so crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, and the and, and that phone stuff is fucking. It's so good. It's so good to a point that Sony like did couldn't figure that shit out with yeah. their whatever that line of of PS4. Stuff was they had that's you and hidden agenda. What was that called? Don't remember. I don't know. Um, then there was De Blob Two, uh, mm-hmm. an expansion to Dawn of War Two. But then, gentlemen, that March, it was our second smoking gun. John, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. The heavily promoted AAA attempt to overthrow Call of Duty: Chaos's home front. Oh, a resistance themed yes. FPS that did not earn back what was demanded of it in the slightest. Man, yeah, uh, I remember uh, pretty well uh, my experience <laughs> with that game. I mean, I uh, do, I do, because I, I I saw it in your living room. That was that's the most hands on experience that I, I had. Yeah, I I think this was about the time where we we like started like signing out games. Yeah, so did you I, just like sign out everything you could for, for I think a while? That's why I have like like very short hour to two hour. Like it's just of random stuff. achievements from like all it, it really is. Uh at that time yeah. it like I was just I would get really bored with games. But I remember this it's a good game, perk though. Um there was this there was this mission under a bridge and it, the game, first of all, the game gave me very Freedom Fighters vibes. Yeah, totally in that imagery. Like, I like that's it. Definitely, it felt like a new, a modern Fighters. take on that. Which yeah, I love Freedom Fighters. And, totally. Um, and then when I when I got down and I sat down and played it, I was like, I was just taking it back. I remember being on this map. There was a bridge. There was tanks. There was turrets, sandbags. You know, it was totally uh, of the the time they were yeah, trying to yeah. capture. And I was like. Where is the next? Where do I? Everything's dead. Everybody's dead. I'm alone in this in this bunkered out area. And I was like, where do I go? And it's just 
I, looking back now, it was it was not very impressive. Yeah. So like the presentation was intriguing, but the short campaign and decent the derivative multiplayer became like primary criticisms that supposedly resulted in a twenty six percent fall in THQ stock price. Did you beat it? No, I beat it. Did, did you, you really? Yeah. How long was it? Not very long. Yeah. Eight hours. What did you, What did you? No, it's, a, it's okay. Okay. All right. Really? <laughs> the multiplayer sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But the game, like the game, was it wasn't great. But I feel the like story's cool. I, I like the setup. It's, yeah. It's, it's just Red Dawn. It is Red Dawn. Yeah. It, it's just it's wild to me because it passed two and a half million copies sold, which is normally nothing to sneeze at. I remember the marketing. They for must it. have seriously spent a lot on that. I do remember. So do you it. want Do you want me to go into my spiel as to what how Chaos Studio fucked up? Uh, sure. Because the, there's some PR debacles uh, that um I uh from chaos. Yeah. Well, about Homefront, because the, okay. the, like I'm sure these like the numerous fires that they had to <laughs> THQ had to extinguish from these like didn't do them much good on top of it. But yeah, yeah. No, but what's what's the deal with chaos? Okay. So, I sorry if I'm cutting you off. No, no. Chaos was closed. Yeah. After Homefront did. Yeah. Didn't that June. Like it was yeah. like pretty right away. shortly after. Okay, out. so yeah, and THQ's official reasoning, which isn't entirely wrong, is there's a reason there are not many video game studios in New York City. Oh, is it like New York City is expensive? Right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. The other half there aren't. Yeah, I, I can't think of any. <laughs> so the other half of this is that Homefront was apparently the baby. Of there's a great article. Let me look up the name real quick so okay. I can re refer people to it because I'm not going to cover the whole thing. It's kind of long. Okay, it's on G Gama Sutra. Mm -hmm. uh, Chaos descends. How Homefront's developer met its end by Lee Alexander. Mm. Um, uh, there's a lot of testimonials and stuff in there. It's a great, great article. Uh, but the um, talking about like the the development process and all the hurdles that they run into not as, not it's not, not on a technical level has, but maybe an impersonal level yeah in 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 a personnel level right so like yeah, as I you mentioned know how big they were. as you mentioned earlier so chaos was not big mm -hmm. chaos was started by a bunch of people who made a mod yeah they made trauma studios trauma studios were okay. shut down they formed chaos they made frontline fuels of war trauma which yeah. did fine but like, <laughs> didn't blow anybody out yeah, of the water, I mean, we right? We recently replayed that for shits, didn't we? Oh no, we played Turning Point. I'm sorry. We played Turning Point. No, no. Front, I, I get front, those games confused. Frontline's Fuels of War was a multiplayer. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. It was a spiritual successor to Desert Combat. Okay. So, it the founders of Chaos are are pretty open in the article about how like they're a bunch of modders, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> there's a lot of people who basically say like. Hey, there's a reason why you don't just hire modders and then hand them the keys to a studio. Ooh. There's a reason why EA shut them down. Not that they're bad at their jobs or anything, but like yeah. video game development and game company management are two separate skill sets. I didn't think about that. That modders do not have. And also, uh, you combine that with the fact that uh, Homefront was the was the baby of executive vice president Danny Bilson of THQ, hmm. who was a guy that they hired from Hollywood. Really? Apparently. According to the article. All right. uh, if I'm saying this right, I might be wrong. Read the article if you're at all interested in what I'm saying. It's, it's a great read. But basically, he was like, 
fuck yeah, man. It's like Red Dawn the video game. Hell yeah. <laughs> and like he came in every once in a while and was just like, he would like dip in and be like, that kind of sucks and then leave. And then they had to like <laughs> fix everything, you know? <laughs> but also on top of that, the, the aspect, so it's not necessarily that it was too expensive to have a studio in New York City, but when you take a studio that small, as small as the studio that f made Frontline Fuels War and then go, you're our Call of Duty studio. They have to hire up. Yeah. And hire, hiring up presents two separate problems. Number one, you have to pay people to relocate to New York City, which ain't cheap. <laughs> no. And B, you now have this weird, in the way corporate structures are, corporate hierarchies are structured. Mm -hmm. You have this weird thing where you have modders who have moderate success in development hiring people who know way more than them oh, wow. but those people who yeah. know way more than them are now at the bottom rung of a ladder that they should be at the top of and the people <laughs> at the top should be at the bottom so now you have people who know what they're doing who can't really like or like th their core i should say their corporate culture really frowned upon talking up to the pe like yeah talking down to the people above you even though the, a lot of these people who hired up who were senior, who have been in the games industry forever, had ideas to make Homefront better than it was, but like they couldn't speak up because they weren't the boss. So they just did uh, what they were told, and what they were told was what was given to them by a team of essentially had, modders who never really had success. I had no idea it was that complicated. Yeah. That, oh, that explains so a lot. all yeah, of those does. factors combine oh, yeah. lead to a clusterfuck of game development. And on top of that... So I might try and save a, a, a bit of this for another episode on a grander topic of like publicity stunts gone wrong. Uh, but let me just say like one issue uh, involved some kind of insensitive sort of like guerrilla style like you, like you know what I mean like it it, it was uh, it, so it was inappropriately timed the 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 release alongside some real world events. Um. That was not entirely like the studio's fault. Right. It's like considering the subject matter of what the game is about. Yeah. You know it's what I mean? It's hard to find a time that a yeah, game exactly. like that like tries to tackle bombings the commentary and, and, and real right. world like war atrocities. Like it, it you know, like it, yeah, it's it's very difficult. And then, but the other, who was much more asinine, uh, involved some balloons and a shit ton oh. of angry environmentalists. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the former even led to uh, a censoring of, of many of the in-game sort of like um, uh, artwork and, and setting in the East. Um, but yeah, it was, as as you said, Austin, it went into detail there, it was a mess. And, um, you know, the, those developers' doors were closed not even two months later. Or I it's, guess, uh, wait, when did this release? 2011? No, no, uh, it released in March. So oh, okay. they were, yeah, by June. Three, like shortly, so, two to three months. Two it's three weird months. because. Oh, and I, so was the Juice team. <laughs> I like Homefront. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of want to revisit it. I, I, uh, I, I would be, uh, you know, I would be. Uh, it's not a bad game, especially in, in, you know. Taste I got was not a good if one. You take, if you take, <laughs> if you look at THQ as a whole, right, what would you say the best game that they've ever published is? Well, we didn't get to it yet, but I'm, I think I might say Saints Row 3. I was going to say Saints Row 3, Red Faction, Guerrilla, Red something, Faction, Guerrilla. or Darksiders. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, and like, 
in the pantheon of depending how you feel about Darksiders two with well. that with those company games heroes. at the at the absolute pinnacle yeah. of this company's history. That's the echelon. Homefront is not. No, it's it's a it's not a piece of shit. Like yeah. it, it's it's a good game. It's only in like. When you frame it as like it's not a last air of bender, like it's not you know, Call like, of Duty though. And when you right. frame it as like this is our Call oh, of Duty, yeah. we're dumping all our money into this. That's when it becomes problematic. But it, as far as THQ goes, I was like, yeah, this is about what I expect from a THQ game. I'm enjoying myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's didn't... better than Damn Buster Studios did on the sequel. Yes, which we'll we'll talk about that as well. Um, Time but... splitters, ass motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, uh, but hey. Took place in our uh, in our backyard, beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, kind of, but not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough when a when a development team has that much pressure on them, and then when the final product doesn't meet the standard, they just shut your doors. You know, right? That's kind of a standard you can't live up to when you're expected to be the Call of Duty killer. Yeah, it's yeah. like imagine you... imagine the label like of a Call of Duty killer being applied to this like kind of small like yeah like mm -hmm. you said like they're not okay like, i'm gonna read because i don't think they called themselves no. that that was like THQ i'm gonna read a, a, a piece small, of the pie i'm gonna read a small clip from this this article that mm -hmm. i was mentioning earlier okay because you're 100 right sean inside the inside chaos's collapse is a story of a studio that ramped up too quickly was under too much pressure strove oh. beyond its means and struggled with uncertainty about its future as well as creative and interpersonal conflicts Oh, yeah, it's a recipe that's for sad disaster. To hear. Mm -hmm. That's like the two worst things to have, you know, development, yeah. uh, you know, interpersonal issues, and then also to be held to a standard that you probably and and like I said, get. like politics got involved too, like and and that was not, oh, you know, like war crime shit. Like that was not on them. Yeah. It was just not not only that came at an edgy like to what you you said, like not only a standard that they can't hit. A standard that most of the games industry can't hit. Yeah, like we know people they like to shit Call on, of Duty. People is like, like to shit on Call of Duty all the time, but holy shit, like they're yeah, polished and packed is, with content. That is a yeah. hard standard to be held up to. Those games are yeah, <laughs> well designed. Yes. Yeah, and, and we, uh, you guys have talked about Found, this before. Yeah. Multiple <laughs> studios are involved. Built well. You know? And also the amount of money. Yeah, like, a lot of like, there's like now it's like there's like six, like six on six or seven. One, yeah. one fucking yeah, game. Just casually like, do what three to four other studios do. Yeah, yeah on a on, probably on a budget of like five hundred million like, dollars. On a time constraint of like nails. every year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, guess what else happened that month? Another miss in the form of a big budget action misfire. Give you guys uh, a hint. I am sci-fi was a part of it for oh, some reason. Oh, Red Faction Armageddon. Red Faction Armageddon. Okay. The fourth installment in the previously successful line of the environmental destruction games, except uh, this go-around, they tried to take it in a strangely different direction and downplay what made the last revival so special. Instead of the travel anywhere outdoor map of buildings to level, it was now closed inside of the Lanier Mars caverns and pitted the player against hostile aliens rather than an oppressive um like an opposing oppressive force of armed humans and vehicles this is uh the way that, that you know that, that is, the series was so heavily themed right. around. this is gonna Deal. upset you randall um i know there are defenders no uh, no, no. Armageddon. Uh, out of all the red faction games this is the one i played the most <laughs> really <laughs> yes god and damn. it seems like i i, I just I'm, I'm countering everything maybe it just came out at the right time for you i think it was and it and i mean yeah, I'm not as much as I though. no, as much as I'd like to mock it, <laughs> me and Austin, I, I, I like Armageddon is not a bad game. 
it is. So here's the thing. It's a it's a a weird red faction game. <laughs> it's not bad. I would even go as far as to say that Volition did a very good job because I have to imagine with the financial place that THQ was in, yeah. you go, what we need a hit from our big hitters, right? Yeah. But we need you to do it on a smaller budget. That that is probably how it was. Framed. And I I think that I mean there was a lot of recycled kind of assets because I have to imagine. And by have to imagine, I mean definitely sure that this happened. Red Faction Armageddon was probably made by a smaller team at Volition while the rest of Volition was working on Saints Row the Third. Absolutely. And on a smaller budget. And I would say that Volition, that smaller team, I'm assuming is smaller, at Volition, who mm -hmm. worked on that smaller budget, made an admirable sequel to Gorilla on those constraints. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. I think it's a good game. And I it, just think it's it's there's no way to build a there's no way to scale down a sequel to Red Faction Gorilla and have people <laughs> leave happy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because it could have been something to separate itself from what fans expected, but subversions aren't don't always equal great. Yeah. Uh, because it's like instead, its combat appeared bland in com in competition with its contemporaries and its emphasis on a plot in relation to a made for TV movie I was, no one saw. That's what I was <laughs> going to bring up. Painfully I low numbers. I was going to bring me, that sir, up. Mr. Red Faction fan. I watched the movie. I did too. I did Okay, not. so two out of three people in this room saw it. <laughs> but what do you mean nobody saw it? Oh, is that it? the, well, you know the what, metric you want to use? No, of course not. We're dumb. <laughs> but you know what's funny? I. I I remember, like, I was just looking at uh, the game, and I when you said sci-fi, yeah, I was like, well, he's just... Are you going to bring up Defiance? Because no, that was, was around exactly the exact... <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to bring up. I was like, man... Did you play Defiance? I did. I did. Uh, not very much. I bought okay. it. I bought it for PC. Yeah, that was an ambitious idea. It was. But to, I, I never saw... Like... release this sci-fi, sci you know, uh, sci-fi, uh, futuristic... Uh, shooter MMO. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was an it was an online RPG. And, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was funny because <laughs> apparently the show didn't catch on either. Beyond no, a, and I was like, oh, it's so cool. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the game, and then I'm gonna go watch the show. <laughs> but it, I, I definitely it def, definitely Bottom didn't break. pan out that way. But when yeah. you said sci-fi, it reminded me of their uh, them making the movie. Yeah, they have not dabbled in games closely since that right. experiment. Um, uh, you also left out the other Red Faction game that they put out around that. Time. Did that release the the XBLA? Yeah, I played it. Battlegrounds. Mm -hmm. It's oh. awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's like yeah. burnout. It makes burnout, oh, cra crash, burnout crash look like sucks. Burnout Three. Oh God. Well, that's a yuck. Yeah, uh, that yuck indeed. Um, so what was originally a marquee poster for them uh, lost its credibility, and that July, our publisher decided to shelve its long-running Red Faction franchise. Uh, R.I.P., there has not been a new Red Faction since. Don't give up hope. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, THQ, they were officially in trouble. Um, on August 9th, they shuttered their Australian branch and Blue Tongue, uh, thus really pushing a harsher stop to a portion of the licensed stuff. Then Rainbow, now known as Digital Phoenix, was Dunzo. Uh, they were the MX first MTV team. Um, that That's September really fell out of favor, huh? <laughs> yeah, those ATV racing games. <laughs> that September, uh, Relics the ATV racing game, by the way, made by Double Helix. 
Really? really? Double Helix is a weird fucking company. Like, yeah. They did, like... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, They worked on Killer Instinct. They did a Silent Hill, uh, a G.I. Joe. Like... They also did the Green Lantern game for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, you're covering the whole gamut here. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, so we have Relics Warhammer Space Marine. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're playing that game? Yeah, I played I the demo. I, I thought it was kind of neat. Kicks ass. Yeah, it, it, probably it, very similar. I think it, I, I remember that game specifically. Yeah, yeah. It, it was cool. It, it didn't particularly save the spiral they were fighting themselves no, in. No, it's but... not a particularly fantastic game, but it's it, fucking it, cool. Yeah, it was going I, for I'm it. I'm starting to regain, regain my memory. I was the guy, like, if, for video games, I was the guy that sat at the table with everybody else who was eating their entree. I was like, <laughs> let me just get a bite. I would play a game for a little bit. <laughs> And then I would just kind of move on if it didn't grab me. But like, yeah, yeah I, like, I did that too for a while. Yeah, Darksiders was definitely. I did not play a ton me. of Space Marine, <laughs> but it, you know what? Like, cool it's, enough. It's all right. It's a, that's okay. A brand spanking new streaming platform was about Ooh. to go live. Yeah, Stadia, <laughs> yeah, Luna. No. Uh, so anyway, if, if anyone recalls this disaster, uh, it was um, which is you know pro- another future subject for us, almost guaranteed um, on live. A cloud-based oh, yeah. micro console from G Cluster uh, that would pull games from servers, allowing oh. users to boot anything from a library right from over the internet. No pesky downloading, no local files to take up space. As Austin said, sounds familiar because of where we're at now. G- somebody, G- I mean, G- somebody had to do it first. G Cluster is gross. G- <laughs> that is a bad G name. Cluster. Is that like the evolution of the G unit <laughs> staying in sounds- the fifty cent vein? For some reason, it. Makes me think of STDs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but but what was the business model? Subscription a la carte. Uh, what if I told you it was both? Uh, yeah, it it was an expensive and clumsy alternative uh, to what you know folks wanted, and way ahead of its time. And it did not last. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess not, but like it kind of it kind of was. Right? Yeah. Now it's we're getting all every platform or and every also, major company has their kudos own. Kudos to them, because let me just say, as somebody who. Got in on the ground floor of OnLive, and also got in on the ground floor of Google Stadia. How would you describe? And it? also got in on the ground floor of Amazon Luna. Let me tell you, they weren't far off for how far ahead for the decade yeah. at lead time they had. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I completely forgot about what that. What does this, uh, you know, like ambitious yet silly venture have to do with THQ? Well. They were on board, uh, bringing mm-hmm. a handful of their products to the storefront, hoping just maybe it would stick and they'd be ahead of the curve prior to the rest of other big companies all joining in. They were making the right moves. Imagine if OnLive was... It, it yeah, like a, it, it blew up. It could have, yeah. I mean, they were taking risks in the when they were uh, doing great and they were taking risks when they weren't doing great, but they were trying to make anything work. Yeah. It's and not that they were the only ones by any means here, but like yeah, I just found it amusing when you look at where we're at in the uh, in, in the story because like usually it's more ooby to be on top of stuff like that, right? You know, um, but like you could stream Frontline Feels War from a nominal fee. Come on, gamers! And I did indeed. <laughs> and this is where I, by the way, this is where, this I is where played, you played Metro. <laughs> this is where I played Metro Twenty Thirty Three, oh, yeah. Red Faction Armageddon, and Frontline Feels of War. Because I got a trial wow. for it. Yeah. <laughs> that couldn't have been ironed out. And side note, yeah. uh, the private group in charge of the whole thing, uh, their patents got bought by Sony in 2015 for use of its tech in the PlayStation Now yeah. service. And it's still They're sucks. probably doing no, it. No, it's not great. I, I, I definitely... Wait, uh, is this Gaikai? 
Or did Sony also buy Gaikai? I think Sony also bought Gaikai. Man, they suck at streaming for how many <laughs> fucking streaming companies they bought. Yeah. That's really funny. Right? <laughs> I did not know that. I just assumed, yeah, they just, yeah, I don't. God. Here's the thing about OnLive is like, this is back in the day when I cared enough about performance to like seek out the best performance option, but. Still in the 360 era, not enough about performance to be like, not 60 FPS, get out of here. <laughs> so, like, I knew that the performance on the 360 version of 2033 wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play it until yeah, and, a generation later, so. And every that was one of those games where everybody's like, dude, this lighting, you gotta see this game on PC. And, like, I didn't have mm-hmm. a PC... At the time, that was capable of playing no, Metro I, I, 2033. I didn't either. I remember it being pretty demanding. So, I played OnLive. And OnLive ran know. at 30 frames. But and there was the... a little bit of, like, maybe a little bit of stuttering and a little bit of lag, but it was still better than what it, the game would have been <laughs> natively running on a PC or a 360. So, like, I guess I dealt with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mentioned, like, the... the um. Or that I brought up, the it's I think the bit the business model was what kind of fucked them. Like, yeah. like that it was just a very poor decision to to have to pay for a sub and also buy games on top. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. again. Stadia ten years later, learn. fucking like Stadia com- couldn't learn. Conglomerates are still tripping over themselves trying to figure that shit out. So mm-hmm. it's, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, back to the sinking ship. Our, our guys were in desperate, desperate need of a smash. Uh, so running over the data, they came up with their last shot, doubling down on the first smoking gun. See, throughout 2011, the Udraw tablet and its hosted tie-ins were maintaining success as a Wii title. As a Wii title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt I had to repeat that because Udraw on Wii wasn't what exploded everything. It was Udraw on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 that exploded everything. Uh, I think the three, you know, the three of us here understand damn well that the targeted consumer base was extremely removed from one another when it came to what owners of the 360 and PS3 wanted in comparison to what we owners were looking for. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say it's like once <laughs> you start to branch out to something like to those platforms, yeah, that's disastrous because then you're. You know, you're building hardware, yeah, and it's so it's yes. so expensive to do so. And you worked yeah. in games retail, so I mean, it's like I'm sure, it, it, like you saw that. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, look, they, uh, Nintendo was making anything plastic. Shit, they even turned <laughs> anything. They said, "Screw the plastic, let's go cardboard." You know, they made it tried to make it as cost effective as yeah. they could with like Labo, but <laughs> the box that shows uh, up. There. Yeah, that was definitely the console. Like that's that was your market. That's yeah. who's kids that want to draw and do that stuff, and parents that want to buy it for their kids who want to draw and stuff. Yeah, they have a Wii. They don't have a PlayStation Three playing Killzone. <laughs> yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. Um, because it did, it didn't take uh much time in the slightest for for that to become evident that November. Uh, to call the expanded release of the Udraw initiative a bomb would be a colossal understatement. Uh, like their their chief financial officer labeled the plan as a total disaster, uh, further explaining that there were almost a million and a half unsold units of it for those editions, and described the revenue stream that season as being around a hundred million short of expectations. A hundred million. Their uh, their later president and Naughty Dog co-founder Jason Rubin stated it as one of the quote massive mistakes that led to the company going under. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, THQ also had their final win launched the same fucking day as those Udraw ports. And man, was it 
ever a send off to for their relationship to it. Goddamn Saints Row the Third, <laughs> uh, as we've already you know. Uh, so a celebration of the absurd that uh, many would that. define as the closest anyone has ever come to standing toe to toe with rock stars, maybe. Uh, even if you can you can compare them <laughs> at this point, um, but regardless, it was the best-selling Saints game yet. A couple outlets were even nominating it for the their game of the year considerations. I sure had a blast with it. The co-op, the customization, the upgrade system, the soundtrack, the side missions. Um, if if they had only carried on to publish more things of this caliber, then I feel like the situation they got in could have been infinitely less dire. So you said their last win. In terms of, but you forgot the, the Deepak Chopra game they published for the Connect. <laughs> I'm making stuff up all the time. It's I'm not. <laughs> it's called so, Deepak Chopra's Leela. So you're you're t- you're telling me that THQ went down with a dildo bat in hand. <laughs> yep, swinging the Wait, dildo so, bat. But That's no, great. my real question, say, you know, my real question is, is what, 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 they did publish Darksiders too. Yes, that was and, like and we will get to that. That was like the that last. That is that's game. literally the. Swan yeah, that's song. what I thought. Yeah. That yeah. that's what I thought you were gonna. Yeah. No, I was that. more. I was using Saints Row Three as being like that was, in, in the ter- last gasp of breath. Yeah, no, the last gasp of breath is Dark Siders Two. This was their like mega knock it out of the park. This, hit? Yeah, like put a lot of money into making people know it exists. You know, like okay, that oh, kind yeah. of. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um. Which all of this is especially ironic as Ruben famously got into a tiff with advocacy groups and volition in response to its content. Something the devs rather enjoyed pushing back on when told to do better. Uh, I guess he is a family man after all. Uh, but the dildo bat is quoted in that. Of course. Uh, <laughs> which is, I think they sent a couple actual dildo bats to the press. I almost, I feel like I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being very jealous. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, like, IGN or GameSpot did videos with it. I know Giant Bomb. No, IGN did it because I believe uh, Max Scoville still has the dildo bat. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I want that just in this room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, aside from this exception, though, Product wasn't moving like it once was for them. Wrestling and UFC's titles were steady, but not enough to pull them out of the hole they stumbled into. Occasionally, a victory here and there would pop. They did assist in bringing Amnesia, the Dark Descent, north to North America. Although the uh, you know the the life on that one turned out to be longer than the uh, you know like the earlier days for it. Um, not that it ever connected with me, despite my love uh, for the horror genre. But uh, I'm obviously aware of its impact for what it's worth. Cr. Resident Evil Halloween special for a breakdown of my feelings on that. Moving on, in January of 2012, THQ said they were exiting the business of producing games for children entirely. February, everything surrounding the usual tablet was killed. Uh, by May, net losses were reported to be at a at negative 239.9 mil for the fiscal. Um, later that same month, it was announced their president was stepping down. Yeah, we're getting close to the end times, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few weeks after this, they gave their rights to the UFC brand uh, over to EA. Uh, the company then filed a notice with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission for a meeting on June 25th. Here, they asked stockholders to approve a reverse split of the common stock. Uh, this, I remember this. Yeah. The, this, this is re- where I learned what a reverse split was. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I didn't know until, in, uh, you know, looking into this, but uh, that request was granted in July with the split being one to ten, mm-hmm. uh, thus resulting in its delisting from the NASDAQ. Yep. 
or the National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations. I think it's pronounced NASDAQ. No, no it's, it's NASDAQ. Is it? <laughs> but Jesus, guys, this is a tad verbose. Yeah, thank you. Um, That's why everybody just calls it NASDAQ. Yeah, I didn't even sense. know what it stood for. Uh, meanwhile, the releases under their name began to really slow, uh, trickling out fairly far apart when compared to their previous years. There was a remake of a free-to-play shooter by Ilphonic called Nexius that okay. I completely missed. Um, that was May. General consensus is that it was okay. Um, more importantly, their last hurrah. Darksiders 2. Darksiders 2. Uh, that was in August, uh, a follow-up to the 2010 Darksiders 1. Uh, you're now in the role of death, uh, mm-hmm. as, as you said. Um, the vibe from what I gathered with this one is either you were like, m- even more into it than the first or vice versa. So here's the Apparently, thing. there's like no in-between from like... Uh, I, I, here's, I gotta, the th- here's the thing I about... I got a funny story. Okay. Yeah, here's the thing about Darksiders 2. Darksiders... I like Darksiders 1 more. Um... Okay. And, and the audience of Darksiders is pretty split on that, I think. Yeah. But I appreciate the fact that Darksiders 1, 2, and 3, and even 3, which is not THQ, which you'll no, get to yeah. in a second. Yep. <laughs> but I appreciate the fact that Darksiders 1 and 2 are wildly different games. Right. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I appre- like, there's, it's very interesting how split the fandom is on those <laughs> two because they're not the same game. Yeah, they're not. They're oh, just... I've seen like forum wars over Darksiders yeah, One yeah. versus Darksiders Two. It's but they're both good. So yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> split down the middle. I'll be honest. Like yeah. I gun to I, your head though. I, oh gosh, you really gonna do this? I am. All right, get the gun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would say I, I played two more recently. Obviously, two was funny because I picked it up. Off the heels of one, knowing what I like, knowing that I enjoyed one so much, and kind of got three, four hours in, and then put it down, and then revisited it, revisited it, went back later, and uh, played it um, like again to completion, and I was, I was like, man, why did I ever walk away from it? You know what, what was? <laughs> did you get distracted by another game or something? Or I, just... It could have been that, or it could have just been it, that. I'm a very time and place person when it comes uh, no, to games. No, I am too. I completely so, sympathize. Um, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, they, they, they both did it for me. So, cool. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's I, I, like it's, I'm, it's I'm right still here. split. You I, I do know gun. plenty of people that that enjoy both wholeheartedly, but it is it is funny how like impassioned everyone is over where they stand between the two. Um, and I also just realized how fitting it was that you were death in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Just like the credits are him visiting their headquarters. I don't know, or her. Jumping to November, after their final WWE game, it was revealed that THQ had defaulted on a $50 million loan from Wells Fargo, and were sadly on the verge of total bankruptcy. It's not a big one. $50 million? <laughs> I can pull that out of my head. <laughs> uh, their stock price even plummeted from its already low $3 a share to a $1.16, while the long-term liabilities were at 250 mil give me 100 you know what you know what thq didn't do defraud the american public and cause a bunch of people to go bankrupt yeah yeah, you're not wrong wells fargo did that why couldn't wells fargo shut down (laughs) why does thq have to pay them back huh (laughs) this is when you're gonna get taken out yeah Uh, in response to this fuck you and your welcome wagon wells fargo i said it (laughs) Uh, they got bailed out uh no they they settled for a, a fine from the SEC 
Is it great? How big was that fine? Side of, side side note, there's a great documentary series on Netflix called Dirty Money. If you want to know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, watch the Wells Fargo episode. Fuck that fucking company all day, every oh, yeah. day. Hop hot button approved uh yeah. like a... <laughs> Uh, so, uh, in response to this, dates for Company Heroes 2 and Metro Last Light were both delayed into 2013. Uh, however, they did go through with a small batch of stuff for the launch of the Wii U, including a port of Darksiders 2. Um, on the 29th, right. they would partner with Humble Bundle, I remember this, oh, yeah. uh, in an effort to raise oh. money. Uh, by the time it ended on December 12th, a B-Day, 800 thousand bundles were sold giving them around five million altogether with eleven thousand fifty dollars uh of it coming from um jason rubin himself uh, a valiant attempt but he clearly wasn't going to cut it uh following that on the 19th our iconic toy slash video game manufacturer officially filed for chapter 11 this of course uh coming with the sale of their assets and properties uh, Ruben's buddy actually being set to oversee the stalking horse bid, which I did have to look up. Um, in short, it's essentially an auction designed to maximize value, such as uh, with preventing cheaper bids and offers protections on things like breakup fees ahead of the event. Um, but yeah, it doesn't even matter since uh, here it was denied in favor of a more traditional auction that would separate each individual IP. Um, before, what year was this? Uh, 2013. I remember, so I'm I'm about to graduate college. Yeah. Right, 2013. Or actually, no, uh, sorry, end of 2012. Yeah, so I'm about to graduate college. Because Wii U. Is- I remember specifically sitting in class and refreshing an IGN page to see who bid on oh. what THQ property. Yeah, I was, I was following that uh, yeah. pretty closely as well. Yep. Um. Now, uh, I thought I, I should tell you all uh, what THQ's final, final published product was. Oh, hit me with it. A budget Wheel of Fortune title for the Wii U. Ugh. Talk about going out with a bang, eh? Um, what a way to... <laughs> uh, and that was, uh, I think, uh, that was December 14th, 2012. It ends with the wheel. Um, anyway, the sales. I'll try and do this quick. Let's start with my fave, Volition. Them, along with the Metro franchise, were acquired by uh, Koch Media. Uh, okay, the Koch. 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 Is it Koch? This isn't a Coke situation? No. We made that mistake before. Uh, okay. No, I've I... Say, he said Koch, and then I said, <laughs> no, it's Coke, but it's not the Koch brothers. Yeah, right. And because it's not the Koch brothers, that led to that. they're from a different country, and there it's pronounced Koch. Did that I come up on um... It's funny. E3. No, it came up in E3, but I think it might have also had a role in the the uh, the, the cooking, cooking mama. mama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiasco, yeah. yeah. Um, so then we have a uh, uh, home front uh, as chaos was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Crytek, uh, who later was bought bought by Koch. Um, Relic Entertainment and the license to develop Warhammer 40k games were sold to Sega, the mm-hmm. same Sega who went on to also publish that their company Heroes Two. Uh, 2K via Take Two picked up the WWE stuff, as we all know. Uh, here's a couple interesting ones. THQ were originally on track to put out both Turtle Rocks Evolve and the hotly anticipated South Park: The Stick of Truth. Um, because yeah, the latter felt like it was stuck in limbo for a while there. Yeah. Oh, Evolve, we hardly knew you. Yeah. <laughs> so 2K snatched Evolve, 
which rough deal. And South Park released under Ubisoft, which was mm-hmm. really great for them. Yeah. <laughs> and the sequel was made by the Rocksmith people. Wait, was it really? Mm-hmm. Is that the San Francisco? Yeah. Because they, didn't they also do like Driver? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um. By the way, just to clarify for people listening, Koch Media, you probably better know them as Deep Silver. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that yeah, yeah, that yeah. threw me for a loop because I thought Deep Silver. Deep Silver, got... Deep Silver is the the brand for video games. You'd recognize that cool like get logo. It, are you gonna get into this whole fucking clusterfuck? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, Vigil Games. Well, uh, they unfortunately went to Defunct Town as they were a part of the Chapter Eleven case that laid everyone off. Um. So this grouping happened on January twenty second of twenty thirteen. Several months later, in early April, its remaining IP would be up for grabs. Uh, also, those servers to the Nexus the Nexus game shut down sometime around here too, I believe. That's, um, but that's, th- thank you also for bringing for specifying. Yes, yeah, the deep deep silver. That that's crazy to me. Uh, Vigil, right? Yeah. Uh, imagine you make Darksiders one and Darksiders two, and then your company closes. Yeah. So no, two games that reviewed and sold so well. Here's the funny <laughs> thing: Do you get into what happened to Vigil? Can no, I go, can I go that, into it? Yeah, that's kind of the okay. individual story for me. So when Vigil shut down, mm-hmm. they formed two separate studios. Basically, the founders divided, okay. and each group founded their own studio. Uh, one half of Vigil became Gunfire Games, the people that made Remnant from the Ashes. Okay. Oh, which is awesome. Nice. And also yeah. made Darksiders 3. Nice. And then the other half, the comic book guy. Oh, that's where Genesis came from. Yeah, so they formed Airship Syndicate, which who went on to make Battle Chasers, that turn-based okay. RPG with that his art sense. style. Yeah, it's based mm-hmm. on one of his comic books, and then they made Darksiders Genesis. Okay, so people don't know this, but all of the Darksiders games are made by the same people, even though it's three separate studios. Man, that's interesting. Yeah, what a <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um. Then so Gearbox took Homeworld, Five Hundred Five took Drawn to Life. Activision was left with the Nickelodeon scraps, apparently, mm-hmm. uh, and everything else was purchased by Nordic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if sound familiar, don't worry, because uh, we'll get back to them in a second. Um, though, yeah, this meant that they got Red Faction, Saints Row, Darksiders, Destroy All Humans, Metro, everything. Interesting. Uh, which I honestly thought was kind of weird at the time, since I seriously had no fucking clue who they were. Not that they were around long. I guess I wasn't playing much Book of Unwritten Tales back then or whatever. But uh, the buyers appeared happy. Creditors weren't, saying the handling of the sales in the court unfairly benefited the publisher's management team, including Mr. Rubin. Luckily for them, the judge denounced the claims and the employees were absolved of any malfeasance. Um, And with that, THQ was no more. Uh, otherwise, the liquidation did still affect the futures of some outside studios if they were their primary client, uh, like Blitz Games was an example of this. Um, but, you know, good night, sweet prince. <laughs> <laughs> Except then, out of nowhere, they were back. Sort of, not really. Uh, on June 12th, 2014, Nordic announced that in Atari fashion, they had now owned the THQ trademark thus rebranding themselves as THQ Nordic in August of 2016, as I suppose the THQ name meant more than theirs. Um, Prior to that, they were allowed to publish under the banner regardless, so it's not like they wasted any time jumping on that. Um, 
it is nice to see so many of their works live on, at least in some form. Um, like, they've been pretty regular with the remasters in particular anyway. Yeah. Red Faction and Darksiders have both have yep. uh, new updates One on and two. As well as Saints consoles. Row. Right. Yeah, Saints Row. Because, are um, you going to mention the Embracer group shit? Oh. Um, Funny. That, we were just in the news recently. Yeah. yeah. So no, you you I I only have like a sentence in here about that, but I think you could dig into it a little deeper. If yeah. You want. Okay. So there's a Swedish company called Embracer Group. Yeah. Who and has, as Sean said, been popping up a lot. Yeah. Like uh, yes, because they are Tencent style buying up fucking everything. They're like a holdings. Like. So they now weirdly, um, so there was it was a big kerfuffle in the games industry when, uh. Red Faction went to a different company than Volition. Yeah. Who uh, Volition did continue on to make the Saints Row stuff. Saints Row 4. Saints was Row under 4 Deep was Silver. under Deep Silver. I think uh, Get Out of Hell. Yep. Yeah. But that was under Deep Silver, as was Homefront. Yeah. Was under Deep the Silver. The Revolution. The Revolution. Yeah. And uh, and then THQ Nordic Games, THQ Nordic, uh, went on to continue Darksiders. Yeah. And they went on, and then Gearbox published a Homefront game, and then Embracer Group bought Koch Media, as well as they bought Gearbox, <laughs> as well as they bought. Uh, Where's all this money coming in from? Jesus, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, they're like a, a European ten cent. In addition, they bought uh, THQ Nordic. So well, now, I, so it's just all under the same fucking umbrella. This so point. now it's. Basically, the Embracer Group is like this weird. It's a really intimidating name, by the it way. It is, isn't it? Just like, but yeah. it's like this weird conglomerate. Like the guy from Nestle who wants to own all the water. Yeah, it's like this, <laughs> this weird conglomerate that is just built on the fucking pile of corpses that is THQ. <laughs> like half the shit that they own, and we're talking like I think they own Gunfire Games. Yeah, was was flat out THQ. No, no, because they own Bugbear as well. They own Bug. So, so uh, Wreckfest is was that is that under? That's under Embracer Group. Yeah, well, I don't. Might have been like Majesco or something. Mm. Well, either way. No, I, I'm, I'm no, very. It's curious. a fitting. It's a Embra fitting company. Embrace name. the reason that all if of Flat these. If I was THQ, I would have fucking talked all about it. The reason that they the Vindy. Okay. Okay. Oh. The reason that they are like leading the charge in this remaster stuff is because. Uh, they are essentially this weird amalgamation of a bunch. But... They're a weird amalgamation of the, of a bunch of two thousands franchises now back <laughs> under one umbrella. Yeah, Destroy All Humans also got. Yeah, <laughs> yep. It's like it's cool that there is an easy way to play these games, but they're not doing anything. And yeah, it's not progressing. Uh, yeah, like, like make yeah, it we... Destroy All Humans three. Why not? Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, it's great that we're getting the remasters and we're getting, like you said, preservation yeah. type uh, uh, treatments done and things like that. It'll be way cooler, a new Red Faction. Like, making yeah. all these, uh, I guess, games more palatable nowadays. But uh, mm. it is a shame to see that that's the... the, the, the I as, mean, far, it's, as it's, far as it goes. It's minimal effort for, yeah. you know, for not guaranteed profit, but they're, they're, it's... It is a shame... Like, <laughs> it is a shame though because the reason I bring it up is just because like 
you, you ask the question, like, where's all this money coming from? And it's like, <laughs> God, they don't man, know. If THQ could have just pulled through, I know. Like, they'd be killing it right now. Yeah, they, they'd probably be one of the pillars, you know? Yeah. They'd have their own E3 fucking, like, yeah. you know, like conference. Like, Imagine we got... I mean, Koch Media did. It was terrible, but they did. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yes, they did. I don't know, man. We like, got the Darksiders three they intended rather than the one that we got. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, I was Not- gonna. I, I didn't want to bring that up because I was. I, I talked to Austin about this recently, where I my my roommate was playing Darksiders three, and I didn't even recognize it as a Dark Souls right. game. I walked into the room and I was like, "What fucking Dark Souls shit is this?" It definitely, yeah, they definitely <laughs> are like, "What's gonna appeal? Let's we have to bend this a little bit to make it more appealing." What's hot right now? Dark Souls, and it's. I, I wouldn't say yeah. it's like, you know, it, it's definitely. I I played it. I beat it. I one through three played and beat. I I just had to bookend that. Yeah, I didn't want to say it was like bad, but it's it just it definitely had a, di- a different feel. You want to talk about the games just being different? Like that's a perfect example of a total spectrum. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. the last one's not a sports game, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but that that you know, yeah, I, I that that could have definitely been something different. And, yeah. But we got what we got. Yeah. Um, this being said, that everyone is the history of THQ, um, the rise and fall. Thank you guys for riding along with me on the journey. I, I know there was a lot of games and, and companies in there, uh, way more than a claim. And just like with them, it does make you ponder about the death of these, you know, once sometimes great, sometimes less great AA publishers that made a career out of the B-tier release. Uh, now it's mostly just a few giants that can survive the war beyond the indie space. Um, now I, I do want to thank uh, uh, the various sources here that were essential in helping me with my research today. Uh, Moby Games was a major one this week. Uh, same with Giant Bomb, Wikipedia, of course, uh, the LA and San Francisco Times, for especially like a lot of the financial sort of uh, elements of it. Um uh, Shaq News, Joystick, IGN, Destructoid, The Six Axis, Eurogamer, Kotaku, Forbes, Bloomberg, PC Gamer, Ars Technica, Gamasutra, The BBC, Polygon, and GameSpot. Look, look, even in death, they're in everybody's mouths. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, they, if their headstone read anything, it would be could have been, should have been. You know what I mean? <laughs> also, I apologize if certain smaller bits of their near endless catalog were uh, omitted. Uh, in the interest of us not being in this room all night, I did voluntarily leave out THQ's hand in the distribution of titles that weren't directly credited to them in the forefront. Um, this factored heavily into them, like, bringing things to other territories, um, like SimCity 2000 in Japan, uh, Conker's Bad Friday in Europe, since Nintendo are wussies, uh, Guitaru Man, that was for Europe too. It's likely the same with a couple of the Star Wars stuff. Then there's like Stubbs the Zombie, Psychonauts, Blood Ring 2, former topic Advent Rising, that fucking Jaws game, Luminous 2, even League of Legends was on the list of like their of like foreign collaborations. Uh, it goes on and on. Uh, and bringing up each uh, of those would have utterly slowed us down. I could talk yeah. about my boy Stubbs till the cows come home. <laughs> uh, instead of that, before the plugs, I do want to leave us with the uh, the ultimate THQ question for us all, our way of pouring one out. Going around the, the, the table, um, what would you say was your top, top game under their reign out of everything Ooh. we brought up today? Oh, man. And, and that's not to, because, like, you, I think you, uh, like, you know, proposed the, like, the, a similar question earlier about, like, what we thought was their highest echelon, but I just mean purely internally, you know? Mm, there's so many. A series can also count. 
you know, I suppose, but yeah, I mean, I'll, for me, it was definitely the Darksiders games. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Saints Row was awesome. I kind of was a, uh, uh, I was off to the side kind of uh, watching you enjoy them. <laughs> and, um, and not that they didn't appeal to me and not that I didn't think they were fun. Cause I did play, uh, I think a decent bit of two and a decent bit of three. Um, but like, like I just said, I played one through three. Yeah. Uh, Genesis is on the list of games I'm going to go back to. Um, but those games just, like I said earlier, they just do it for me. They, they did everything oh, I cool. wanted and I enjoyed my time with them. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was really like my fondest memory of THQ games. No, right on. How about how about you, Austin? So, <laughs> in my head, it's a three-way tie between Saints Row the Third, Solid. Red Faction Guerrilla, Solid. and Darksiders One. Okay. Out of those, it's a good th- trifecta. Out of those three, I, I think that represents sort of like you know all the yeah. different places that THQ can come from and and supply. Out of those, I'd probably say Red Faction Guerrilla. All right. I love that game. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I I think for me, like, franchise, I probably feel the most bonded with Saints Row, but Red Faction... Oh, come on. I, I might say Red Faction 1. Just, I, just, I, 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 Gorilla, I, I acknowledge, is, is pro- a, probably a we all better and more impactful say. game, but... Yeah, we all knew what you were going to say. Come on, that's a shoe-in for first place for you, of course. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I, I guess it is. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, I I I think that's it. I think uh, you know, other the, the only the last like the, the only note that I have is just that we're coming for you next midway. <laughs> so. Your days are numbered. <laughs> we're, yeah, numbered. we're numbered. <laughs> uh, rest in peace. We're digging up your corpse pretty soon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're going through the graveyard. You're next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's uh, it might be plug time there, Austin. Uh-huh. All right. Cool. Um, it goes without saying if if you liked this, check out our acclaim episode and then yeah, check out the acclaim episode and keep an eye out for the midway episode. Yeah, coming in the future. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Sean, for being here. Yes, very um, much. We I, I can't wait to have you long back. Long time already. coming. Yeah, I'm a day one. Our day one. <laughs> yeah, our day one right here. I'm a day um, one. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, you can check out. All the episodes we've been mentioning and more at hotbuttoncast.com. You can also subscribe to them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, or on YouTube, rate and review, subscribe, whatever the fuck I'm supposed to say. Uh, and also check out our social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at hotbuttoncast. Yep. Got some updates on there. I think Fuse as well, but he's yeah, the dog left. He's been barking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it for plugs. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Peace. Peace.